two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. Uh, Mark, little little word to the wise for you, buddy. Oh, yeah? Mm. Don't go to Utah. <laughs> Check. But why? Uh, but also, well, yeah, but also why? Um, so, yes, listeners, hello. We're, 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 we'll we're we'll do, the, do the cold open. But also, I feel like I feel like I need to um, share this as well. But yeah, I was totally going to, uh, I had every intention of joining in on the uh, High Hammock Studios debutante ball, um, the official showing of the season for the podcast Ton, because uh, I've watched Bridgerton and I know those things. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I was super excited. I was super excited to, um, yeah, join our first, because that, that would have been, right? That would have been our first four-way uh, yeah, episode, Yeah, I think so. Talk about Adult Swim, I had all my episodes lined up, even if I wasn't quite sure. So anyway, all right. Um, yeah, I, I was at this conference and was scheduled to fly back Saturday. Um, and it was going to go Salt Lake City uh, to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then to Columbus. And I'm pretty sure the second flight is what got canceled. Um, so I was like, well, shit, how am I going to get home? I don't want to be here in Utah. <laughs> and the, the, the next flight, the next flight it defaulted to was I would have left. So yeah, and I had an afternoon flight. I was going to land back home at like 11 p.m., which is fine. It's doable. I've done it before. It's fine. Um, the next available flight that I got immediately put on uh, would have left 9 p.m. on Sunday. So oh I would God. have, yeah, would have spent like 36 extra hours in the Beehive State. <laughs> uh, and homie don't play. <laughs> no. I would have landed at like 9 a.m. Uh, Monday in Columbus. And it was. It would have been like Salt Lake City to Seattle to Atlanta, to Chicago, to Cleveland. And I was just what like, I'm not. It was stupid. It was stupid. So talked with the ticket agent. And she was like, well, yeah, you're already, yes, your flight was canceled. And yes, I see that you already booked another flight, but you don't leave until tomorrow evening at 9 p.m. And I was like, honey, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's looking, she's trying. And yeah, she couldn't do anything better. So I said, well, what about Cleveland? Cleveland's two-hour drive away, you know, open up some more options. S- same thing. The earliest she could have got me here would have been, yeah, like Cleveland Monday morning at 9 a.m., which I would have been a two-hour drive. Would have been a two-hour drive back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, uh, giddy up. I guess I'm going to um, yeah, just unfurl my carry-on luggage and sleep on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, what about one more? What about Cincinnati. You know, it's it, it's about the same drive. It's, you know, two hours, hour 45. What about Cincinnati? And she's like, well, hey, wouldn't you know it? That used to be one of this airline's uh, hub cities. And sure enough, that night, I got a direct flight from Salt Lake City to Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, uh, I was calling the Mrs. Wizard to let her know the change in plans and saying, can you come pick me up from Cincinnati <laughs> at 11 p.m. at night? And then I'll drive back home. And I was just bawling. I was just bawling. And, and she did because she's amazing. And so, yeah, I my head hit the pillow uh, back here in Columbus at 2 a.m. Sunday. And, yeah, I was just not 
to be flexed with. For so I apologize. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry that I wasn't there. And but I guess we'll just have to wait till the next one. Um, we'll just have yeah. To see. Yeah. We missed you for sure. But I mean, I, I'm, you know, I know you listened to it. it we yeah, had a lot we, of fun anyway. And no, it's yeah, not, it was yeah, a good time. It so it was great. And so um, and so so yeah. Well, and also so I, I guess that's you know a, a sort of mini wizard abroad update. Uh, the other one was a very special, very special uh, wizard to wizard. Um, uh, moment here. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, Two Wizards Pod, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Two Wizards Podcast on Twitter, uh, Two Wizards Pod C One, you saw an announcement that somebody had a wizardy birthday, uh, and that somebody was me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my dear friend, my wizard mate, uh, got me an amazing gift, and I won't spoil it here. You're just gonna have to go fi- follow us on Twitter. Find us on Twitter. Two wizard, uh, yeah, two two wizards pod C one. You're gonna have to find us on there and see what this amazing thematically appropriate uh, birthday gift was. So thank you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> yes, of course. I'm glad you got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you were telling me just before you started recording too. You're like, God damn Etsy. If I'm gonna have to cast a fireball or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out. It worked out, and um, and I'm very grateful. Uh, and it is. It's good to be. It's good to be back in the Wizard's Tower, and it's good to be back uh, for this continuation of this episode that I started, and then I went off on this silly gallivanting uh, through Utah. But I'm back, and we're here, and welcome to the Two Wizards Podcast, everybody. Uh, my name is Josh, and I am a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard, and yeah, we're back, Josh. Welcome back to you. Hell, I'm going to say welcome back to me, too. It's been a week. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, <laughs> well, yeah, you're right, it, and it is. I think it is. I think we're, we, we have, you know, maybe we're... Running low on oxygen tanks. Um, we're down to our last can of lard that we're just shoveling into our mouth to maintain our caloric intake. Um, so we're, we're peering up towards the summit and we're almost there, buddy. We're almost up to the summit and we're going to get there um, as we continue the second parter. So yeah, like second parter, but also, I mean, and I know now that you know what the episode is and you prep some stuff. Uh, I mean, one, again, we're just going to barely... Barely scratch the surface in the second part here, and I don't want to like fully commit, but I'm. But then, yes, I am going to commit. We're going to do more like wizard geography, wizard ge- yeah geography, and because as I was going through, it was like, well, this mountain is a volcano, this mountain's a volcano, that mountain's a volcano. Shit, I guess we're just going to have to do two, do two wizards volcanoes next, because um, two volcanoes, they deserve their own thing. two volcanoes, because they deserve their own thing. Um, and so yeah, and so we are, we're we're returning. Uh, we're, we're, we're following up Mountains Part 1 with Mountains Part 2, and we're going to talk about sacred mountains. We're going to talk about spooky mountains. We're going to talk about cryptid mountains. We're going to talk about mountains from space. Well, I guess we already kind of did mountains from space. <laughs> <laughs> JK, scratch that. Um, but just as important as it is to, to have oxygen and uh, high-calorie foods and probably, yeah, some like uh, indigenous guides to help you up the mountain paths, you got to stay hydrated, Mark. And so what do we have in our wizard's cups? Oh, well, if you're a serious mountaineer, then you know how detrimental any form of alcohol is. True. You know, this is also, yeah, you should not be as drinking alcohol if you're climbing mountains. Uh, unless you're one of those crazy motherfuckers who went up Everest with a 14-foot spruce pole. <laughs> <laughs> those guys well, were probably were drunk, drunk off their hand. Mu- yeah, they were drunk out of their gourd. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I... I, I <laughs> I digress. 
Um, well, so you know how, you know, bad alcohol is, but you also know how bad a diuretic like coffee would be. And Ooh. if coffee is bad, you know what's even worse than coffee? That's right, Josh T. Um, tonight I'm going back to something that I haven't had since... Shit, I want to say since I was student teaching with you, and I would come home and mix myself one of these and read some Ernest Hemingway and just cry on my deck like a jerk. Um, I call them Hemingways. It's literally just iced tea and gin. Oh, that's delicious. That that sounds amazing. I and and I'm surprised I haven't tried that before. Okay. It's bad. It's um, uh, Kroger Pure Leaf No Sugar Black Tea with uh, gin. I mean. Well, and, and uh, just a quick kind of internet search here. I, I mean, I'm seeing Royal Tea for a name, but I but but I think calling him a Hemingways uh, is is great. Is great. Um, shit, now I gotta try that. I gotta mix me up one of those someday. Um, but uh, but but good, man. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah. Um, well, you, I buddy? I am also so I'm not only returning to the Wizard's Tower, not only re- returning to uh, uh, this topic of mountains. I guess I guess. With the seasons changing, it's it's another return of sorts. Um, and I have here on my desk a little something called Lone River Ranch Water. <laughs> That's right, boys and girls. <laughs> We're back in ranch water season. It was the it was the hit crazed drink of 2022, and it's going to continue to be the hit crazed drink of 2023 until I find something different. Uh, so, <laughs> and I'm and I'm starting off with an original, and then I have a prickly pear on deck. And um, yeah, we, we 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 bought the mixer pack a couple weeks back or a week a week ago. Uh, and yeah, yeah, man, it's regular old trip down memory lane, just um, <laughs> cracking them back. So, on that note, here's on you, buddy. Cheers, good buddy. <laughs> yep, T and gin. T and gin. It <laughs> satisfies. You know exactly what you're getting in there for. <laughs> it really satisfies. <laughs> They're so strong and so brave. I forgot you were suffering. <laughs> <laughs> the old man Mark had taken the young boy Josh out for 76 days and made him drink <laughs> Hemingway's. The old man Mark didn't remember this, but the young boy Josh did, because he didn't drink him. The old man Mark was a drunk, and the young boy Josh just knew better. (laughs) (laughs) Something about how Jewish people can't bullfight, and also would not enjoy tea and (laughs) gin. Yeah, thanks thanks Hemingway, you jerk. Kids, don't read The Sun Also Rises. It's not a good book. I mean, do but don't, and same for, for Who the Bell Tolls, uh... Yeah, do and don't. Like, wait, just wait till you're older. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, wait but, till you're older, kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Well, all right. Uh, we're set back. We've reestablished. And yeah, uh, like I say, Mark, I, 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 I keep falling. I keep falling into research caves, and a lot of times there's like weird gases seeping up. So I don't know. I have a ton <laughs> of notes here. I'm probably not going to get to them all, and that's okay. Um, I mean, we, we, we could kind of trade off some things or if you wanted to start or how, how are you imagining us kind of going through talking about sacred mountains, spooky mountains, cryptidy mountains? Um, what are you thinking? Well, I have four entries total. Okay. Actually, I think, well, then yeah, I think we could, we could probably do something like that. I, 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 I could do some of mine and then I'll kick it over to you and 
Maybe we yeah, something yeah, like yeah. You want to take sure. it away, and we'll just pepper me <clears throat> minor. I wrote mine to be pretty short little segments. So. Okay. Well, then, yeah, yeah, that'll be reaching like the third camp or something. We can, you know, kind of do like that. Okay. Uh, well, so look, we found more lard tubs. Let's go talk to Mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, perfect. Um, so to start us off, a uh, quick shout out to. Again, I, w- I was kind of picking and choosing a lot of different websites, and I'll you know kind of go like that. But but also a big one uh, was a book, and, and I'm, I'm giving a shout out here, uh, Edwin Birnbaum. Sacred Mountains of the World. Um, I think in its second edition now, maybe even third edition. Uh, so yeah, if you want more of this, just read this book because it's amazing. And uh, Edwin Birnbaum knows his stuff. Um, so yes, kind of, again, re- reviewing everything from from uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, mountains, they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're like a quarter of the Earth's landmass. Um, civilizations and cultures across the globe kind of happen to settle by them. And there's a lot of uh, both like material benefit from mountains. Uh, You know, like if that's where the snow is, that's like your source of like spring water. Um, With all these tectonic uplifts, there's lots of like precious metals and gems and and things like that there. Um, But they are, there's wildlife that you can hunt and do all that. Um, And as we continue to joke about, and it's going to be made apparent why we keep joking about it, you get adjacency bonuses for your holy sites and your campus districts. Um, and just like symbolically, here's a giant piece of earth sticking up that dominates the sky, blots out the sun sometimes. You're not really sure if anybody's ever been up there or because it takes a lot to, to climb up there. And so, yes, there are sacred mountains spanning the globe, uh, spanning cultures, spanning civilizations and I, and I'm only going to get to like I don't know maybe 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 a dozen just kind of go through a dozen of them quickly because there's so many um but also kind of knowing the podcast that we are there's really no other place to start than Greece um and <laughs> and yeah there's again I, I'm just picking again I'm forcing myself to pick no Josh only two I like I'm like the little kid uh at the grocery store who like rolls up with like his little arms full of sacred mountains. And then the mom goes, no, jo- you, can o- you can only do two. But man, uh, <laughs> we have sacred mountains at home. <laughs> but, um, but Patrick Coulty got like eight. I don't care how many sacred mountains Patrick Coulty got. You're getting two, mister. You're getting two. So I'm limiting myself just to two with here in Greece. Uh, and we have to start with, of course, Mount Olympus. So Mount Olympus um, 2,917 meters elevation. That's uh, 9,570 feet. Uh, its prominence is slightly less. It, 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 it sticks out, right? It's like, again, just a real quick recap. Elevation is from quote-unquote sea level. Prominence is like how much it sticks out compared to like the nearby ground. Uh, so its prominence is, is about uh, 7,720 feet. And for the longest time, right, o- Olympus, that's where the that's where the uh, 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 the Olympians dwelt. That's why you call them the Olympians. And that, that I wasn't sure. Do we call them the Olympians because they're on Mount Olympus, or do we call it Mount Olympus because that's where the Olympians are? Chicken and egg. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, castrated father and son, or son and castrated father. Who knows? Who knows? Who can really say? <laughs> um, but for the longest time, uh, Mount Olympus, where the Olympians dwelt was whatever the highest peak was 
for the local kind of Greek tribe or local kind of Greek city-state. Um, so there is the Olympus that we're going to talk about, but there, there are also Olympuses on Mysia, Laconia, Lycia, Cyprus, Attica, Euboea, uh, Ionia, Lesbos. There were, there were Mount Olympuses everywhere, or at least there were mountains that the ancient Greeks would call Olympus uh, because that's where the gods were. Um, right on. And then it wasn't until our boy Herodotus, of course, um, places the the one singular Olympus as this one. Um, yeah, this uh, almost 3,000 meter peak, almost 10,000 foot uh, peak, uh, roughly in kind of central Greece on the border between uh, Thessaly and uh, Macedonia. And he says, yes, that's it. That is that is the Olympus. That's the one. Um, and uh, on the summit, uh, there's evidence of pottery, of coins, and, and even ashes from sacrifices um, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that date all the way back to... Yeah, that time period, that they that date back to like the 400s BCE. Because for the longest time, uh, you know, there was some like smart aleck Neil deGrasse Tyson type who'd be like, well, didn't the Greeks just climb up Mount Olympus and see the gods? Well, apparently they did. And they like sacrificed her there. So in your face, Neil. <laughs> yeah, Neil. Yeah, they did. We know Godzilla couldn't exist. Fuck you. Stop ruining it for everybody. Yeah, of course Godzilla exists. Of course... Mount Olympus exists. Um, <laughs> of course, the gods are there on alternating Tuesdays. Yeah, that's and they kept bouncing around from all these different Mount Olympuses. That's what you know. It was a one in twelve <laughs> shot, or, or that's where they're like district managers that like show up at a random McDonald's on any given Tuesday. And, oh shit! Oh shit! Zeus is here. Get the goat. Get the goat. Get it going now. Come on! <laughs> right. Run. 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 Um, <clears throat> and so the highest peak of Mount Olympus is Mitikas, which apparently means nose, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, the third highest peak, which is now called uh, Agios Antonios, St. Anthony, not, I mean, not clearly after classical Greek is when it got that name. Uh, but the third highest peak used to have a sanctuary uh, to Zeus on 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 the top there. So, so, so again, it, it, it's not like it's not like the Greeks were like, oh, what? what's this mystery? Like, no, they were trekking up there. They are going to the sanctuary. They were making sacrifices. Like, they knew that was going on. Um, so, so again, that's Mount Olympus in a few minutes because I got to speed through some of these. Um, so, really quick, why, yes. why is the one that Herodotus said is the one? Why is it that one? You said there on all these other, in all the, yeah. on all these other mountains, like... Mm-hmm. From, what from, makes from, this one the one? From, from my understanding, it, th- this one was the more kind of centralized location. Um, okay. Yeah. If, if you look on a map of Greece, it is. It's, it is in the mainland um, as opposed to like Laconia down in the Peloponnese or uh, Cyprus or Lesbos, which is an island again, like all the way over there. So, or so, so again, I think that was, I mean, that was part of it. Um, it, it also... Yeah, is is uh, the tallest, or yeah, I, I believe it is the tallest uh, peak in, in in Greece. There, so I, I guess that made okay. the most sense. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I meant to track down specifically the passage where he says that, but time time just kind of got away from me. Uh, but also because I want to move to this again, 
you know, shelves and shelves of sacred mountains just in Greece. But I, but my second one that I have to pick uh, is Mount Parnassus, which is uh, 2,457 meters elevation. That's 8,061 feet. Uh, or a prominent, oh. or a prominence of uh, uh, 1,590 meters, or about 5,220 feet. Uh, so not not quite as big, not quite as big, but still pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also in central Greece. This is south of Mount Olympus, um, and it's an entire mountain range that covers these uh, areas: uh, Theotia, Phytheotis, uh, uh, and Phokis. Um, the highest peak in the Parnassus range is the Akuras. Uh, but all along this uh, mountain range, uh, Parnassus is featured in so many, so many Greek myths. Um, apparently, it was named for a guy, Parnassos, who is the son of, of a nymph, Cleodora, uh, an immortal man. Um, uh, the Mount Parnassus range is, is where Deucalion and Pyrrha settled after like the Greek version of the flood myth, and uh, they repopulated the earth. They apparently landed on um, Mount Parnassus there. Um, It was the home of Orpheus. Uh, Sometimes the muses are said to reside on Mount Parnassus. Uh, Other times they reside uh, on Mount Helicon. Uh, And Pegasus, Pegasus also, that was his stomping grounds, was Mount Parnassus. Odysseus, when he was a young man, uh, he was on a boar hunt and he got gored in the thigh. He got a big scar in his thigh. And so that's how at the end of the Odyssey, that's his like uh, recognition symbol signal that all of his like that his wife and his like former nurse and all the members of his house is like, hey, you have a scar there. Um, uh, Orestes was sent to Parnassus uh, by his mother, Clytemnestra. There's an actual cave, the court. The Kororikian Cave, uh, which is sacred to Pan. Uh, so a ton of stuff going on in and around Mount Parnassus. And most of all, of course, the Oracle of Delphi. That is there. That's right on the mountainside of Mount Parnassus. The Oracle of Delphi. The Oracle of Delphi. Uh, and, and and I know we talked about that with our caves. Uh, going back to two, so listeners, go back and check out our, our caves uh, episode. Um and you'll learn too that yeah, there's 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 a little cave that had these weird vapors coming up, and that was apparently how the uh, how the priestess, how the Pythia, could could see the future. Uh, Delphi and Parnassus uh, were said to be the the center of the world, the navel of the world, the omphalos. Um, and so yeah, just again, hu- 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 hugely important um, there. Uh, so I. I and, okay, and actually, so I, I said I was doing two, but I actually tucked a third sacred Greek mountain um, into my jacket, and I'm going to take it up to the front <laughs> of the checkout line and then sneakily put it on the conveyor belt. Um, but before I do that, Mark, any observations, thoughts, feelings about Mount Parnassus? Um, I like it. I like that everything kind of centers around it. And I also like that the cave of Pan is there along with the, uh, Oracle. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it, like how much weird ooky spooky can you pack into one mountain? Well, and when we were in Delphi, uh, when I was in Delphi last summer, you know, we, 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 we toured the, the, the archeological sites and we did some of that. And then like some of us were like, Hey, could we kind of sneak over to the Kororikian cave? Um, but it would have been like a two mile trek over a goddamn mountain. 
and was like, mm. okay, no, I guess that's not going to work this time. Um, but but maybe maybe someday <laughs> I'll go back there and find it. Um, but uh, but yeah, okay. And then our, our last uh, quick shout out. I'll try to make this quick here. Um, another famous uh, sacred mountain there in Greece um, is actually all the way kind of northeast uh, uh, up in the uh, Chalcides. Um, and this is Mount Athos, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before on on uh, Two Wizards. Uh, so Mount Alth- Mount Athos, um, elevation 2,033 meters. That's about 6,670 feet. Uh, all the way back in time, uh, Athos was a giant. He was a Gygas who fought oh. it. Who fought in the Gigantomachy in the Gig- Gigantomachy. Gigantomachia, however you want to pronounce it, the war between the Olympians and the giants. Um, and Athos the giant specifically got sort of, he, he kind of squared off against Poseidon. And the story goes either Athos threw a rock at Poseidon, because that was like, okay, sure, you have your lightning bolts and your like earthquake and whatever, but most of the gods just throw rocks at things. That's how they fight, um, <laughs> just throw big giant <laughs> boulders. So either Athos threw a rock at Poseidon or Poseidon threw a rock at Athos and like crushed him. And that rock is Mount Athos. Um, oh, Jesus. Okay. Whichever direction. Wow. So going. we're like. Yeah, exactly. Like, real, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. All right. That's some scale for you. Okay. Yeah. Like mountains and like islands. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now, but it's like, oh, yeah, this island. This is because Athena threw a rock at a giant. <laughs> <laughs> So again, just they're just throwing rocks left and right. Um, so Mount Mount Athos gets a shout out in the Iliad. Uh, it's also the real life lo- location where the Persian commander Mardonius lost three hundred ships and twenty thousand men uh, during his invasion of Thrace in four ninety two BCE. Uh, so also kind of noteworthy there. Uh, but what Mount Athos is most famous for today is in nine fifty eight CE, a Byzantine monk. Uh, Athanasios founded a Eastern Orthodox monastery there, uh, and it received oh. its and it received its charter in 972. So what would that be? Uh, 14 years later, uh, by Emperor John Zimikis or Zimikes. Uh, so yeah, so so there is an Orthodox uh, monastery there that, that continues to this day, um, and one of the uh, yeah famous or I suppose infamous parts about Mount Athos. Um, is uh, it is limited to uh, 100 lay Orthodox and 10 non non Orthodox uh, male vi- male visitors per day, uh, and they all need a special permit, and women are not allowed to go to Mount Athos. Oh, yeah, because uh, it's it's. I, I think it's part of the Orthodox faith. It's also apparently to make it easier on the monks who have sworn to be celibate. Um, there's also some stories that like, well, the, the monastery is already devoted to the Virgin Mary. So we have our one female and that's enough. <laughs> and that's Jesus. That's, that's what we got. <laughs> um, and even, even female animals are excluded. So no milk cows. Uh, wow! No sheep, no chickens that lay eggs. Um, but apparently, there is one exception made, and that's for female cats because they're better mousers. <laughs> okay. So okay. they have so they have all these restrictions, and, and there have been 
Uh, I think you can count on, on the number the, the number of times on one hand. There, there have been several female visitors to Athos, but it's under very specific circumstances. Um, and, and, and yeah, it is. It's sort of, this is unfortunately, um, I'm kind of planting the seed now. This is a trend we're going to see in some other sacred mountains, which are He-Man woman hater clubs. Um, <laughs> that it's like, no, we're up here and no girls allowed. So sad, sad to say. Guys would rather start a monastery are. on a mountain than go to therapy. <laughs> that's part of it. That's part of it. So, <laughs> so again, there's our there's our trio of sacred Greek mountains, and there are many more, many others I could have got gotten into, but but I had to limit myself because there are, there are other very worthwhile sacred mountains to talk about. Right on. Tour and, do Greece, if you will. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> okay, so all right, I could use a bit of a break because my voice was starting <laughs> to go out already there. Um, so so. <laughs> I'm so yeah. I'm doing the more kind of like sacred religious mythology stuff. Uh, and Mark, you are bringing, of course, your own uh, flair to this episode. What 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 sort of mountainy things are you? Do you have in store for us first? That's a good way to describe that. Well, number one, you can stop me if you've heard this one, Josh. Okay. It's a famous mountain here in North America. Mm-hmm. The Devil's Tower in Wyoming. I have heard tell. Of the devil's of of the devil's tower. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I don't think I've ever driven by, but I've heard I've heard tell. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, um, the devil's tower in Wyoming is it's kind of weird. It is a stark columnar structure that stands about eight hundred sixty-seven feet tall. Um, it's the biggest, tallest thing around it. It's surrounded by just pine forests. Literally, insert your joke about, like, when you trim the trees away, the forest looks bigger or something. I don't know. It's a dick <laughs> joke that I didn't do well. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so it looks like a great big tree stump just sticking out of the ground. Um, it is the tallest structure around for several miles and it is sacred to almost every single native american tribe in the region and mind you this is in the uh black hills region of north dakota or of wyoming so this is pretty big native american territory Mm -hmm. um so the cheyenne call it the home of the bear the crow tribe calls it daxpichi aosao or the house of the bear the lakota sioux call it mathothilipila the bear's house. They also call it tree rock, great gray horn, and brown buffalo horn. And Josh, I know you know what this thing is, because if you're like me and I know I am, that's right, buddy. You try and spawn this every time you boot up a game of Civ. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to channel your best Sean Bean here and give us the like accepted <clears throat> right, Native American myth as to how this mountain came to be. This comes out of a Kiowa legend. Okay. All right. Um, I, I, will, I will channel my Sean Bean. Uh, and and you, you better believe I was practicing it way back when for our loose robes on Civ. But uh, let's, let's see if I can get back there. <clears throat> Seven girls were chased by bears. The bears were just about to catch them when the girls jumped on a low rock. One of the girls play, prayed to the rock. Rock, take pity on us. Rock, save us. The rock heard them and began to grow upwards, pushing the girls higher and higher. <laughs> Yay. Yay! Well done, sir. <laughs> I love that. Well, I want to say, too, when I was a little kid, I thought I, I, thought I read, um, yeah, some kind of picture book that was also sort of 
was telling the story of like the Big Dipper. And I want to say it was too something about like seven girls being chased by seven bears. And then they got yeah, that's put up the, in the Pleiades. Sky. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That, well, that, that's how it's weird. That's like yeah, that's like a weird transfer over from like North American into that. Mm-hmm. Like the Greeks yeah, saw a bear, the natives saw a bear, but mm-hmm. like, it's, it's real strange. Yeah, not, not strange. Much. Just it's cool, yeah, but it's, it's also man, it's four stars in a square. How are you getting a damn bear out of that? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah true again it's you know they didn't have uh youtube they didn't have netflix and so you just look at it at the night sky and you're like yeah that's a swan i guess why not fuck it <laughs> um um if you do spawn on this tile in civ 6 it gives you plus one production and plus one religion to each surrounding tile um, and it's impassable, but I chose it because it's cool. Um, one of the yeah. things about it, it, they call it the home of the bear because all the sides of it are, it looks like it's scraped. And mm-hmm. the myth is that the girls ran up and the bears scraped down the sides of the mountain. And that's oh. why it has this shape. Okay. All right. I can dig it. That's sweet. That's cool. Now, this theory of giant bears chasing little girls is pretty reasonable. However, um... We have a couple others that I'd like to get into real quick. There is one theory that I found out through my research is actually a flat earther conspiracy theory that oh, states no. that this uh, devil's tower is actually a single chunk of petrified tree. Okay, but how would that help a flat earth explanation? How would that help a flat earth cosmology? Doesn't make any sense. Something about Eskadrill? something about if there was one big tree then there could have been other big trees and that's why we have the myth of the don't ask me why josh it's flat earth like yeah which again that just begs the question how does how does that get us to a flat earth cosmology because because the north had the world tree don't don't make no sense Uh, but but okay all right um we mostly know that this is bullshit because of people like Neil deGrasse Tyson that are going to be the first ones to point out a tree this size cannot actually sustain itself. <laughs> Duh. We know, but. <laughs> um, however, DeGrasse according Tyson to Spook... Tadena. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Greek for party poop? Ooh, uh, what would that be? Uh, well, poop is kropo. So, uh, well, and, uh, comos means like a revelry. So like a cropo comedia. <laughs> One who shits at parties. One who shits at parties. A party pooper. <laughs> I poop at parties. <laughs> it's not my fault. I got IBS. We're not talking to you, Mayhan. Order that damn pizza. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, if you're going to buy all this pizza, you know how you might be able to buy it? How's that? How's that, Mark? With the lost treasure of gold that's in that there hill. (laughs) (laughs) According to what I am 900% sure is Native Americans fucking with white people. Mm -hmm. There is a story that tells of two old natives uh, talking to some white folks at the general store in the town nearby and they were just messing with them and they're like you know there is gold in that mountain you just need to find the door white man and white man bought into it and uh i guess surveys are still being conducted trying to find the hollow door for this mountain 
Mean, or the doorway for this hollow mountain so that we can go in. Really, it's, you know, Erebor, the lonely mountain. There's just a whole oh, bunch yeah. of golden there, one single mountain. There might be a dragon. There's not a fucking dragon. But you know what there is, Josh? What's that? That's right. UFOs. UFOs. Oh, because it's not a gold mine. It's really a secret hangar for UFOs, Josh. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, UFO sightings have been consistently tied to Devil's Rock, including but not limited to native and pioneer accounts that often saw strange lights coming from the base of the mountain. Oh, okay, from the base of the mountain, okay. From the base of the mountain that goes up. Well, well, and I like that they're playing against type there. They're subverting expectations. You, You would imagine like, oh yeah, there's lights like circling this thing. Like, no, they're down at the bottom and then they shoot. Okay, I like that. I like that. We might have an explanation for that, but I'll get into it just a little bit later. Sure. Sightings really came to a head in 1977 when Close Encounters of the Third Time, or Third Kind was released and suddenly Pareidolia reared its ugly something head-shaped looking object and everybody said, oh my god, it looks like a UFO and quacks like a UFO. There's definitely a fucking UFO at this place where I saw a movie about UFOs coming to land. <laughs> However, so many people were so taken by Mr. Spielberg's cinematic classic, it's pretty solid, kids, go check out Close Encounters, um, that in 2017, this is 40 years after the initial release, there was the first ever UFO rendezvous rendezvous held in the nearby town of Hewlett, Wyoming. Its goal, and I'm going to try and do this like an alien researcher might do it, The aim of this festival is to promote UFO awareness and spear interest of investigation of these reported anomalies. While the tower is not a historical hotspot of UFO activity, as the remote deserts of the western U.S. are, there have been a handful of UFO reports. It is a popular assumption that this magnificent site has its own paranormal aura. Jeez, Mom. (laughs) That was... Spot on. That was almost as good as my Sean Bean uh, impersonation. <laughs> that was just about, just about perfect. Um. <laughs> to further this ooky spooky vibe, uh, Devil's Tower is located on the north to south running ley line that also intersects through the Denver International Airport and the granddaddy of all ro- uh, UFO crashes in America, Roswell, New Mexico. Ooh, so not only are we playing Civ, but we're playing Civ with the secret societies. Um, and you found the Hermetic Order? Is that what it is? That, uh, yeah, buddy. Let you see the ley lines? Ooh, baby. God damn, this <laughs> is just like... We try to get away from having like Civ episodes, but we just can't. We just got to <laughs> steer into the skid, buddy. I may or may not have been just dominating as Russia this morning <laughs> as I wrote this. And really just making my life or life miserable on everybody because I just blitzed that technology tree in. I think I got flight by like 1460 or something insane and just started bombing Africa. And I was like, nah, all your cities are belong to me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Your pyramids ain't shit, Mansa Musa. Yeah. (laughs) Well, dang, man. Devil's Devil's Tower. Shoot, I guess. I don't know. The next time I'm kind of out that way, I guess I need to go go check it out. Look for that gold. (laughs) 
Look for that gold. Um, all joking aside, though, the Devil's Tower is actually really, really cool from a geologic standpoint. Because, of course, I'm going to talk about geology here. And oh, yeah. maybe I should have read your notes a little bit better when you said, oh, we'll save that for two wizards do volcanoes. No, it's because um, I'm going to hit my head against that wall like eight more times. So you're good, buddy. Go for it. Okay, good. Um, that's what this is. This is the result of a volcanic dike that opened up at some point. And started pumping material up onto the surface of the earth that at this time wasn't didn't have anything on it. Um, it pumped up in a dome formation. And then as time wore on, more crap laid on top of it. Then this crap weathered away. And so you get this like columnar igneous formation that is the Devil's Tower. It is highly resistant lava rock that just didn't really erode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to the sandstone or whatever other crap. Um goddamn sandstone but uh yeah man yeah or it's you know an artificial alien base that holds gold and ufos whatever i'll let you decide no that's great man well i, I was also glad like because we well I, I i guess i kind of shared some of the mountains i was going to go through and so you kind of worked around it too but but i also love that you're that you're bringing again your own your own take to, to some of these things because you get yeah you get to talk about the geology stuff you get to talk about aliens and just stupid flat earthers so no man that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> what you got for me buddy well um i think next up um so we'll leave we'll leave the mediterranean but we're not going to go too far um and in fact we're going to get abrahamic um with our next pair of uh sacred mountains here so uh first on our stop here in the one of many holy lands because it's not the holy land there's holy lands everywhere but one of the, the first stop we're going to go to um is mount sinai aka jabal musa aka harsine aka turadzini aka orosina because uh, it goes by all those names um this clocks in at about uh, 2285 meters elevation that's about 7497 feet and a dainty, acute 334 meters prominence, or 1,096 feet. So it's in this mountain range. It, it's it's not it's not dominating the landscape necessarily. Um, it's it, it's one peak kind of around there. Um, uh, but this is in the Sinai Peninsula of Egypt, and Mount Sinai is sacred to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So that's why we're getting Abrahamic. And Again, like all things kind of historicity uh, with the Bible, uh, take this with the pillar of salt that Lot's wife got turned into. Um, <laughs> so there is a Mount Sinai that is named in the Bible. There's also a Mount Horeb, which is named in the Bible. Maybe they're the same. Maybe they're not. Um but Mount Sinai slash Mount Horeb uh, features importantly uh, in the story of Exodus. So this is where um, God spoke to Moses when as the burning bush. This is in Exodus 3. Um, apparently after Moses and the Israelites are walking around a little bit um, and they're thirsty, they don't have any drinking water in the desert, Moses strikes a rock and spring water comes out. That rock was also apparently on Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb or in the area. Uh, and perhaps most important of all, 
this is where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Um, oh, well, I, I should mention the story with the water. That's Exodus 17. Uh, but also, totally undercut myself here. Um, also, this is, yeah, where Moses said to have received the Ten Commandments. You'll find that in Exodus 19 and 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Um, so, yeah, that that's it. Are the, is it the same place? Is it the same Mount Sinai? Is it the same Mount Horeb? Uh, who's to say? Um, uh, modern day, right now, uh, there's an Eastern Orthodox uh, monastery, St. Catherine's, which is just to the north of Mount Sinai. Um, Mount Sinai also has a mosque and a Greek Orthodox chapel, both on the summit. Um, and the chapel, the Greek Orthodox chapel, is said... Allegedly, it how it 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 uh, contains it houses the 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 rock the source that Moses uh, chipped out the tablets to receive the Ten Commandments. But wouldn't you know it? The chapel is closed to the public. Darn it! <laughs> Shoot. Um, <laughs> um, and so it's it's yes, uh, uh, clearly. It's a very important story uh, for for Jews and for Christians, uh, but also Muslims. They they regard Moses uh, very highly as 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 a prophet uh, too, as, as, as a very important person in their faith. Uh, so that, that's why Mount Sinai is so so important. Um, there, there's apparently also a cave where Moses is said to have kind of like hung out as God was putting the, the final touches on the commandments. Like okay. Do I go with 11? Can I combine these to make a nice even 10? That's apparently, there's apparently a cave there too. So mountains and caves, mountains and caves. Um, I have come down from the Mount Sinai to bring you these 15 commandments of our Lord God. These 10 commandments of our Lord God. (laughs) And of course, History of the World Part 1. We started, we started watching History of the World Part 2 and it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll come back and finish it. Um, it but, has um, its moments. It's all right. Yeah, it has its moments. Uh, and then the second stop on our uh, Abrahamic Sacred Mountain tour uh, is Jabal al-Anur, excuse me, Jabal al-Anur, um, uh, outside of Mecca in Saudi Arabia. And this comes in at 642 meters elevation. That's about 2,106 feet. Jabal al-Anur means the Mountain of Light or the Mountain of Enlightenment. Uh, and it's part of the Hijaz mountain range there in uh, western Saudi Arabia. Uh, and this features the Cave of Hira, uh, a.k.a. the Cave of Jewels, which is the place where the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, meditated for months at a time, and he and he ultimately received his first uh, revelation from the angel Gabriel. Uh, huh. And so, so, so yeah, like, n- not the same mountain range, but uh, still, still very important uh, to... Um, to uh, Muslims, uh, and because it's in Mecca as as, as well, um, uh, when they go on Hajj, when they go on their pilgrimage, that that is one of the pillars of their faith. They are they they are called to to go on a pilgrimage at least one point in their life. Um, uh, Jabal al Anur is is a popular location for for them to go to, but it's not expressly mandated. Like 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 there's there's the two right there's the there's the mosque and then. Um, Medina is is the other one, right? God damn it! I should have done more uh, research. Yeah, I'm not good at my Islam. I'm sorry. Yeah, but um, but because it's there in Mecca and because it's very important, a, a lot of times it's it's also included as um, yeah, you're going on pilgrimage. 
might as well stop stop by here too. Um, and so and so yeah, again, sacred mountains all all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, that bit with um Sinai isn't that where every single like third church in America gets its uh, living water title from? Isn't that the Bible passage? I think it was, well, okay, so that's the other thing, like, like the Bible, uh, like passages, like they're, they're like hypertexted, like you also, you, you, yeah, cause, well, cause I, cause I was, I was looking for, I was looking for that, that phrase, like, like life of water or like living water. And yeah, that phrase appears all over the place and it's in, in, in right. And, the, and then they match up, they, they're, they're, they're matching up intentionally for whatever reason, divine or human, um, in, inspired. Um, but yeah, that's part of it. Um, also, it seems like, I don't know, every like six or seven years, somebody claims, uh, hey, Mount, Mount Sinai is where Noah's Ark landed. And we found it. We found it. We found the remains of Noah's Ark on Mount Sinai. Um, so there's another sort of interesting parallel with uh, Deucalion and Pyrrha on Mount Parnassus. Landing on that mountain, maybe Mount Sinai is where Noah uh, landed the Ark. And yeah, it's like... Not Ararat? Or well, I, I don't know because 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 sometimes that's it too. <laughs> it's also that too. It's like man, everybody's got the authentic piece of the cross. Like, right, 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 right. You drive along high, Route sixty six in like the or not sixty six I seventy five, and like there's like six Buffalo Bills tombs. So I guess I'm kind of being silly here, huh? Well, and I I could also be getting Mount Ararat confused as well. Because hey, look look at that. There's another sacred mountain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could be. I, I I could have sworn I saw somebody say, Mount, Mount, but, but but again, in this wide world, I'm sure there's all sorts of people saying all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> I'm not um, trying to like. No, please, please, arc explain at you. Holy <laughs> shit! What? <laughs> okay, okay, hey, hey, okay. So remember, like two years ago, when we were hobbits around this time, and we did gardening, and I got super mad at uh, creationists. Mm-hmm. Let's get mad at him again really quick. You want to? Yeah, sure. Sure, buddy. <laughs> According to the uh, Noah's Ark Encounter, or the Ark Encounter Museum, it costs you, if you are an adult, $59.95 to get in. If you're a senior, age 60 plus, $49.95. Children age 11 to 17 are 30 bucks. Kids uh, 5 to 10 are free. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy a three-day pass? Oh my god, who's going to this shit for three days? I mean, I'll tell you who might be going. It's two wizards. <laughs> Not for these... Oh my god, oh my god, okay, okay. <laughs> the ultimate bouncer pass, valid for unlimited admission to the Creation Museum and the Ark uh, for the first year, from or one year from your visit. So this is year-round, Josh. You can oh get a family, that's parents and dependents 17 and under, for $499.95. There are now four members of High Hammock Studios, so I'm going to need you to send me a check for a buck twenty-five so I can book us a family pass. Oh, my God. I mean, we, we just... Like wow, times it's, it's only 45 minutes south of Cincinnati, which by your count would be two hours and 45 minutes from you. Let's, we yeah. can do this, buddy. We can, abs- we can absolutely do this. <laughs> did, oh my God, I'm so depressed. Did I went we just make our summer plans? And yeah. Instead, I found God. <laughs> I think Christ. we just made our summer plans. Um. 
Never mind going to London and Greece and Oxford. No, let's go to... <laughs> Fuck learning. We're going to Tennessee, apparently. <laughs> Halfway between Cincinnati and Lexington, right off I-75. Yeah, that would, that would do it. <laughs> I don't even know what I was looking for. Fuck Mount Ararat. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. I, no, I really okay. derailed us there with creationists. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. We can we can keep it. We can th- I mean, I made an ass of myself saying, yeah, wasn't it Mount Sinai where the Ark was? But, buddy, that's... But it might have... But, no, but wasn't that a thing, too? Because... I don't know. So I, was it I Sinai was... was where God built the Ark of the Covenant? Well, yes. And maybe no. that's... That, yes. They made that after they melted down the golden bull. Right, but the Ark of the Covenant was for the commandments. And the, for and the, the command, It's yeah. also, there's like three arcs in Christianity. and This is also true. It's Yeah. No, I, yeah. so, again, and maybe maybe these ranch waters are packing a little more of a punch than I first remembered. But, <laughs> uh, but buddy, Sacred Mountains. Sacred Mountains. Um, okay. All right. I need to collect myself. Um, maybe we have, okay. What, what, what's another, what, what's next on your kind of, uh, uh, cool, cool mountains that aren't specifically retied to one of the three Abrahamic faiths. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. And I was going to say before we resume, um, I know we're getting kind of silly and we're getting kind of, kind of a little feisty, a little prickly. Um, and that more than anything tells me that I need to move from my original ranch water to my prickly pear ranch water. So here's on you, buddy. <laughs> and I'm still drinking Hemingway's. How's... Yeah. Hemingway's. All right, perfect. Okay, so next next on the list. Next on the list, um, apparently, number one, the Noah's Ark is up on Mount Ararat. Okay, yeah. Thank you for... Thank you for checking me on that i it, it, maybe it was like you're saying maybe we maybe in my mind's in my mind's eye i got confused with the ark of the covenant too too many arcs too many arcs yeah and then the right. ark of the covenant co- ark of the covenant um is in the ancient ethiopian city of axum oh, shit. apparently it's okay been there since 1691 <clears throat> where All the right. emperor iasu recorded having seen of it and he talked to it okay that's cool (laughs) boy (laughs) let's talk about something that is probably just as real as that actually this is real because you can walk out and look at it (laughs) (laughs) um for my next dookie spooky mountain that i totally didn't listen to your note about save the volcanoes i'm gonna talk about a volcano josh yay no, that's no, it's okay because it's all right. Half again, half of these. Uh, spoiler alert! I'm, I'm going to be talking about Mount Fuji, and so oh, yeah, cool. that, of course, of course, it's yeah. So so yeah, it, it, they're kind of part and parcel, uh, mountains and volcanoes. Uh, but but yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. Don't even don't even stress. <laughs> right on. Um, well, this one that we're talking about is um, in the it's like in central Mexico, and it runs along a thing called the Trans Mexican Volcanic Belt. Which tells you what, Josh? There's a whole bunch of volcanoes that run across the Mexican continent, <laughs> state, area, whatever you want yeah. to call that. Yeah, area. So yeah, sub subcontinent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one in question is something called Popoque Tepe, which in the native Nahatl means it smokes. I just love that. <laughs> hey, man, what do you call That's that so big mountain great. up there? It smokes. It smokes. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Keep it. Moving on. <laughs> Cut. Print. Conquistador. Um. <laughs> it is the second highest mountain in Mexico, standing at a regal 17,802 feet. It is so high, Josh, that up until recently, like, and this is recently as of 1991 recently, um, okay. there mm-hmm. was a substantial glacial presence on the mountain. But due to um, the volcano itself acting up and, you know, humans inconveniently truthing themselves into oblivion, the glaciers aren't there, yeah. but there is still a shitload of ice and snow up on this mountain. It's really, it's really trippy to look up pictures yes. of this thing and just see it like... It looks like Mount Blanca on any given day in winter. It's really trippy to see this That's big so Mexican cool. volcano so covered cool. in snow. It's really neat. That's so badass. It's so badass. Yeah, buddy. Um, <laughs> it also connects to a second volcano. Oh, my God. And I should have written this one out phonetically. It's a Chihuahuatl. It's a Chihuahuatl. Okay. I don't. I'm sorry, guys. I tried real hard. It connects to another volcano. It's another big volcano right there in Mexico. Now, Josh, can we get horned up for volcanism really, really quick? Oh please! Oh please! More, more than anything. Sweet. Uh, it smokes the mountain is a stratovolcano, which means it grows slash is still growing. Um. By dumping slow-moving and acidic lava just up on top of itself. This isn't the violent, like, explodey eruptions. This is, like, the lazy, like, the lava comes up, the lava pulls over, and then it dumps. And then over the years, you get this great big volcano. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, listeners, keep that term stratovolcano in mind. Because when I talk about Mount Fuji in a minute, that, yeah, Mount, Mount, Mount Fuji is also a stratovolcano. But anyway. Yeah, okay, no, sorry. no, you're Continue. good. Um, like I said, it is very young and very active. And we know of at least several times that it has erupted in a Plinia scale event. That's one that they, it's the same scale of eruption that Vesuvius did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, we also know... I mean, not nice, Well, nice. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, I don't know. We also know that several times <laughs> in its history, and this is due to gaps in the fossil record, and in the case of... Um, okay, so several gaps in the fossil record are like, oh, hey, look at all these trees and shit. There's nothing. Oh, hey, a hundred years later, look at all these trees and shit. Oh, shit, nothing. <laughs> we know that this thing just, like, acts up and kills everything. <laughs> Um, in sometime in the year 800, we think maybe 839, um, it totally wiped the village of Tete Mapa um, off the map. This is considered to be the Mexican Vesuvius. Oh, wow. um, literally the same thing. It, it was a single moment, and this volcano went off and flash buried everybody and killed them all, all at once. And now we can get down in there and look at it. Man, I know we have other things planned. We have we, we, other topics planned, other things planned, but... I think we're going to have to do volcanoes, like, pretty pretty damn quick. Yeah. Sorry. 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 But it's happening. Yes. No, this summer. It's going to be the summer of getting out there. Two wizards on their summer vacation. Two wizards. What did I do for my summer vacation? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. I can dig <laughs> it. Um, so this volcano is crazy young. It's only about 730,000 years old, which is nothing in volcanic time. Mm. This kind of accounts for the high amount of activity. And I want to point out here, and this is really cool. So the mountain itself is, what, 17,000 feet high. Um, the walls of the caldera, the caldera is what, Josh? That's right, the volcanic crater. The walls of the caldera are 2,760 feet high. 
You need to go down mm. half a mile from the top to get into the open lava pit. Oh, dang. That's ha- half a mile. Half a mile. So you got to climb up, what, 17,000 is like, what, give or take three-ish miles, give or take. You got to go up three miles and you got to mm. go in half a mile to get into the lava. Like, just the scaling on this thing is insane to me. And hey, did I mention that it's active? Because yeah, it's real fucking active. Cue up that Wii Fit music. Here's some highlights from Wikipedia. <laughs> Mid to late first century, a violent VEI6 eruption may have caused the migration that settled, or the migration of the peoples that settled the Teotihuacan, according to DNA analysis of teeth and bones. Shit got so bad at Popo Catepe that the fucking indigenous people said, never mind, we're going to found Mexico City. <laughs> Nothing happened for about 2,000 years until December 2000, when tens of thousands of people were evacuated by the government based on warnings of scientists. The volcano made its largest display in 1,200 years, which, man, talk about a civilization moment, and it talks about, like, you know, that volcano is fine, right? All mountains smoke a little, right? And then, like, you get that, like, right. cataclysmic event and it kills everybody, and, like, you get, like, the major loss of devastation and shit. Well, yeah, that, you founded this in the Bronze Age, or, you know, in the Classical Age, and it was cool, but here you are in the Industrial, and everybody's dead. I just, I love that. It waited 1,200 years before it woke up again. Um. Yeah, that's. It's crazy. <laughs> On Christmas Day, 2005, the volcano's crater produced an explosion which ejected a column of smoke and ash uh, about three kilometers or 9,800 feet into the atm- atmosphere, as well as a pretty hefty expulsion of lava. Uh, May 8, 2013, at 7.28 local time, I love that this is all just like right in our backyard too, man. Like, yeah, that's we get so all cool. these readings I mean, and it's, seismographs it's, and shit, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it erupted again with a high altitude tremor. So there was a there was a tremor up on top of the mountain, somewhere up on the side of it, that lasted for three point five hours. So the mountain shook Crazy. for three and a half hours, and then it began to rain or to just smoke out plumes of ash that rose three kilometers once again three kilometers into the air and started drifting west but then later started drifting southeast and covered the village villages of san juan tianguis malenco san pedro benito juarez and the city of puebla in smoke and ash it just you know all those cities it's like okay never mind fuck you guys explosions from the volcano itself later on ejected fragments of fiery rock distances of 230 feet from or 2300 feet from the crater so it's just is launching the pyroclastic bombs just launching them half a mile away because it can and remember josh we're already two and a half miles up and one and a half miles or half a mile deep so like the force coming out of this mountain to rocket these bombs unreal yeah that's unreal holy cow okay yeah (laughs) Shit really hit the fan in 2016 when Donald Trump was elected president in America. That has nothing to do with the volcano, but I thought I'd mention it. However, in 2016, the volcano also erupted four times in mega eruption event or large eruption events. January of 2019, uh, 9 p.m. local time, it started spewing ash 
and incandescent fragments as far landed as far as two kilometers away. So like up out of the mountain and then just burning fragments are landing on the ground up to two kilometers away. Wow, wow. <laughs> January 2020. We all remember what happened then, right? That's right, Josh. It wasn't COVID. <laughs> it was uh, when Popo Katepe expelled lava and rock and sent ash clouds 20,000 feet up into the sky. That's 6.1 kilometers. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then finally, as of December 19th, 2020, it emitted material up as high as one kilometer. Right now, it is not doing anything. It's just chilling, but that's as of December 19th, 2022. Um, that was also not an exhaustive list. I just took some of the, like, big notes. Right. But, yeah, this guy is still active, and he's still going. And, Josh, I can hear the cinder cone in your pants just accreting. <laughs> because I know that you're not only... I, because I know that you and I are getting real horned up for that Valencio de Volcano, which is how you say horned up for volcanic mayhem, and I don't like it. I was hoping it'd be something different. This volcano also is super, super active for spotting UFO events. Ooh, it's not just a volcano, it's also another UFO hotspot just like the Devil's Tower! <laughs> <laughs> Um, during that super active moment in 2019, when it was, you know, dumping ash and ejecta into the air up to, you know, 9,800 feet, um, there was also a 45-minute video taken by YouTuber uh, Color UFO. He caught a massive crescent-shaped mm. UFO for about 45 minutes that took off from the base of the mountain and slowly drifted up to over the top of the smoking mountain hole, so like over the over the like caldera and then it just like went up the column of ash you can watch this it's on youtube it's about 45 minutes long i watched the whole thing it's weird okay. as shit okay i know exactly what i'm gonna do when uh i get off <laughs> this it's uh, this recording session yeah. <laughs> um so given the scale of the craft, it is estimated that it is about half the size of the caldera, which puts it just about 800 feet across. Okay. Yeah, so that's a pretty big goddamn UFO. There's also a local belief yeah. that Popocatepe um, is home to an alien base. Like, the volcano itself is just literally the base. The UFOs come up out of the lava. They're heatproof. I don't know. They're aliens. Like, whatever. In 2013, the Mexican... I guess they're a TV studio or maybe a news channel. I'm not sure. Um, Televia. Okay. They filmed a UFO flying directly into the crater. They just watched UFOs flying in and out of the crater. Um, and then Josh, as of just last year, a Luis Guerrero took a picture of the UFO flying out of the crater and he what's up or what's apt it to his girlfriend who showed it to her family. And then the picture went viral. Cause that's how things work these days. Right. Right. Um, we don't really know what's going on inside the mountain other than it is a mysterious volcano. That's maybe UFO infested, but Josh, la verdad está afuera. Which means the truth is out there. Yeah, I got really shitty on my Peggy Hill Spanish this week. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fi you're fine. Um, yeah, man. Again, it's it's. 
I'm still having my mind blown with like just how monstrous this thing is. And it's still active. I mean, of course, it's mostly doing just a little layer by layer. Hey, I'm just I'm just going to add a little little bit of uh, of of igneous rock here. Um, but then again, man, if, if this thing's going to blow up anytime, I guess. Shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just really got to hope that. Um caldera doesn't get plugged and then everything will be cool but like should it fill in that what eight what did i say so it'd be 1400 feet across if the ufo was 800 feet and that was half like yeah um yeah so long as that hole stays open and it can vent then yeah everything should be okay ish except for that one village that got hit 800 years ago or when the you know (laughs) Aztecs just said fuck this we're going to mexico city like yeah. Oh my God. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. But <laughs> I, I also love that too. Cause again, I, I, I guess I still have Civ on, on the brain. I can just like perfectly picture, right? Like your little settler unit, like moving a couple tiles over. I was like, Oh, this looks nice. And then like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of my movement points, but next turn I'll, I'll just, I'll just plop down my village here. And then you know, end turn. <laughs> Maybe a different, maybe a different spot. <laughs> Roll them up. Roll them up. Roll them up. <laughs> That's also really funny. I, that it's not happened to me personally, but I have seen either on the subreddit or even like a couple of YouTube uh, clips, people who do just that, even with like their starting settler is like, oh yeah, this is great. I have lots of nice like resources right off the bat. Um, uh, I already see a, see a, a an, an ancient village where I'll send my, warrior to scout out next turn um but i'm just on this hill and then next turn i'll, I'll settle and it erupts and it kills their starting settler and instant game over um <laughs> you get that um cinematic of you lost like turn two yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh buddy that's that's pretty great um well i i, I okay i guess this is, will also kind of make for a good albeit kind of delayed um transition into my next uh kind of pair of sacred mountains uh and and again listeners if i if i skipped your favorite sacred mountain if you're like wait is josh going to talk about Sripada? Uh, guys i'm sorry there's there's hundreds there's hundreds of these things and we were already getting along with our episodes anyway so again i'm I'm just gonna have to like whistle tour stop or whistle stop tour like just, just just some of these this is not this is this is not an exhaustive list this is not like a hierarchical list although I don't know but but I'm trying I'm really trying here um but the next one next one we want to talk about uh is Mount uh, Kailash aka Gong Rinpoche aka Gong Rinpoche Feng uh which is uh 6684 excuse me yeah 30 38 sorry wow 6638 meters elevation that's 21778 so now we're Holy like shit. actually we're getting into like yeah we're getting into like proper mountains now uh as you can guess this is kind of part of the Himalayas um uh so yeah that's its elevation its prominence is uh 1319 meters that's about 4327 feet and uh kailash may derive from the sanskrit wor- word for crystal 
Uh, Gan Rinpoche is Tibetan for Precious Jewel of Snows, which is a gorgeous name. Um, but it also has been at times called Precious Snow Mountain, Water's Flower, Mountain of Seawater, and, withhold judgment everybody, Nine Stacked Swastika Mountain. Because here in this region, before uh, Mean Mr. Mustache came along and appropriated a bunch of symbols... The swastika had like a different religious connotation and significance, and it was a good luck thing. So don't at me with that. Um, but uh, yeah, Mount uh, Kailash is, is there in the Himalayas. Uh, it's it's uh, up by Tibet and, and uh, India and China. Um, and this is sacred to, again, a, a several, a trio, uh, or maybe even... Uh, a, a, a superfecta, maybe even four re, re, religions, um, kind of hold, hold this sacred, hold this mountain to be sacred. Uh, to begin, and again, in no order, but to begin, uh, Hindus believe that uh, this mountain is the home of uh, the god Shiva and his consort goddess Parvati. Um, so that's where they hang out. It, um, for the, for Jains and Jainism, it is where Rishabhanatha. Um, attain who is their kind of figure, um, uh, one of their sort of like founders of, of their faith. Um, but that's where Rishabhanatha attained moksha or nirvana or mukti, enlightenment, um, breaking from the wheel of suffering of some of samsara. Um, and I know I keep promising future episodes, but Mark, we we're, we're going to have to come back. We'll make it. We'll find a way for it to work somehow. We're gonna to have to come back to this guy, uh, Rishabhanatha, who was apparently four thousand nine hundred and twenty feet tall. All right. Okay. <laughs> and he was five hundred ninety-two times ten to the eighteen years old. <laughs> I want to learn more about this guy. That's fascinating. Yeah. All right. I'm in. <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, we're still staying on Mount uh, Kailash here. So, uh, sacred to the Hindus, sacred to the Jains. Uh, For Buddhists, uh, this is their cosmological center. This is the center of the world for for them. Kind of like Delphi and the Om Philosophy was for the Greeks. This is their their center of the world, uh, Mount Kailash. Uh, And then finally, there's um, there's a native Tibetan religion called Bon, uh, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. It's B O with an umlaut or uh, or a diuresis at least. I mean, it's probably not an umlaut. It's weird if they were speaking German there. Um, it's B O with a diuresis and then an N uh, bon, uh, and, it, and it's important to that faith as well. Um, one of the kind of um, uh, 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 one of the main features of uh, Kailash is it is also a pilgrimage site. Um, there's also a lake nearby, uh, Lake uh, Manasarovar. I got that right, Manasarovar. Um, and so, 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 yeah, going to going to the peak, going to the mountain, going to the lake. Those all, uh, yeah, are are featured in these very in these various pilgrimages between these four faiths. Uh, and interesting to note, so like you 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 don't just climb straight up because that's you know that's mistaking. Uh, the 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 end for the means, 
that's putting the destination ahead of the journey. And yeah, while you eventually want to get up there, it the, you you circumambulate. You kind of march around it. You kind of walk around it uh, a handful of times, and then you're finally up to the peak. Um, and if you are Hindu, uh, Jain, or Buddhist, you take a clockwise path. Interesting. But but if you are a Bonpo, which is apparently a follower of Bon, however you say that, you you walk counterclockwise. And you circumambulate up Mount Kailash. Um, and what if you're Australian? Do you go the other way? What if you're well? If we have time, <laughs> oh no! You have i I do have one. I do have one sacred mountain in 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 Australia. And I was just being um, but, an but asshole, hoarding in Simpsons I jokes. Damn it, Mark! No, no, it's okay. That's no, okay. It's all right. Um, so yes, uh, Mount uh, Kailash there, uh, very important, and 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 clearly dominates all the other mountains on this list at coming in at over 21,000 feet. Yeah, this is this is the clear elevation winner. Um, but you know, too, I like since, that it's, it's 21,000. That's real high, but that's what we kind of figured out that's pretty achievable still for, like, a human to mess around at, mm-hmm. right? Like, so you still yeah. could conceivably walk the route clockwise or counterclockwise, make it up to this mountain, and mm-hmm. then I imagine that you're probably, you know oxygen deprived and likely have a religious experience right there at the top mm-hmm. yeah like well because that's so much of it too right like um i mentioned john Krakow, yeah um uh and and in his into thin air uh book that i don't know was that what like 12 years ago 20 years yeah what is time even? what is time um but but yes yeah, so, but 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 so yeah so he he, he kind of writes about one of, one of his times hiking that yeah he again that's the whole thing like you're 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 getting ox you're you're getting hypoxic your your blood oxygen levels are dropping and so you have these experiences and you and you have these mystical uh either revelations or experiences you feel like you're getting in tune with something other than than yourself be it because you're at elevation and you're yeah deprived of oxygen or because you're a goat herd and you fell into a cave in Delphi and there's all this like cave gas that's screwing with your brain, but that's kind of it. That's kind of, that's kind of how a lot of these sacred mountains operate too. Yeah. Um, but it is cool. And, and, and yes, and, and that making that walk and we're, and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that idea uh, here shortly. But yeah, making that walk, climbing up the mountain, um, if the mountain will not come to Muhammad, Muhammad will go to the mountain. That that thing, mm-hmm. that thing. That, that's what it is. Um, and since we're, I, I guess, kind of still kind of loosely, we've been kind of moving eastward. We started in the Mediterranean and then we were in the Levant, uh, Arabia. And now we're in Central Asia where we're going to keep going a little bit more east. And we're going to Japan. I said I was going to talk about Mount Fuji. Again, much like with Greece, um, I'm a weeaboo. I'm a Greekaboo. Uh, <laughs> there are so many. There are so many sacred mountains in Japan, and I'll I'll maybe like kind of rapid fire a few of them. But I do want to dwell both figuratively and also potentially literally. I want to dwell on Mount Fuji, uh, which is uh, three thousand seven hundred seventy-six uh, meters elevation. That's about twelve thousand three hundred eighty-nine feet. And because we're talking about an island here, that's elevation and prominence. 
I mean, you could quibble. Some people have quibbled. Oh, well, actually, it's 3,778 meters. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> very, very precise. It's a, it's a culture that is driven by precision. Uh, yes, but, uh, this is true. This is true. Uh, so Fuji, the, the current kanji used for Mount Fuji, uh, uses the symbols for wealth, abundance, and man of status. Um, oh. but, but with many of these other mountains, and, and I do, I, this is my etymological uh, kind of bias showing. It's not just one. Many different people have called these mountains many different things. And so here's, man, here's a whole wealth of like, again, just kind of interesting etymologies or what people have called Fuji before. Um, at other times, its names have meant immortal, uh, not to, that is to say, without equal. This, this mm-hmm. um, uh, a mountain standing up as shapely as an ear of a rice plant. <laughs> Some dude was saying, that's, what, that's how we call it Mount Fuji. That's what its name means. Um, <laughs> it's like, all right, buddy, like you took an entire haiku to write that, but good on you. Um, uh, it is also, sometimes its name is linked to fire, fire master, uh, there's an Ainu word for a fire deity, uh, Fuchi, F-U-C-H-I, as it's kind of transliterated. So Fuchi, Fuji. Um, oh, okay. okay. Its name is also potentially related to wisteria, the, the plant, rainbow, or long, well-shaped slope. So again, <laughs> what came first, the name or the mountain? Well, the mountain definitely came first because it was there forever. Um, and it was, like I said, it, it is a stratovolcano. Um, so it just layered and layered and layered. Uh, it's had its share of kind of cataclysmic eruptions, uh, but it's still, yeah, a cultural icon and a religious icon uh, for the people of, of Japan. So it, it was sacred since ancient times. And again, these these darn Japanese and these darn Greeks and their misogyny. Um, Mount Fuji was sacred and therefore, quote, forbidden to women. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> That's so bad. Um, like, I get it. Astute listeners can go back and listen to our yokai episodes. We talk yeah. about how totally not patriarchal Japanese culture really is. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Wasn't it four? I think it was Yokai four. It was three or four when we were apparent. We were definitely like, we're, yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> and it was literally just, yeah, her boyfriend cheated on her, so she committed suicide, or her boyfriend didn't want to marry her, so he cut off her head, and she became a yokai. It's like, right, right. exactly. Uh, so, so it was. So Mount Fuji was forbidden for women uh, until an edict that came on May fourth, eighteen seventy-two. So. Oh wow. I, I mean, hey, that that's all things considered, that's still fairly decent, but this is the even cooler part. Uh, nearly 40 years before this edict that said Mount, Mount, Mount Fuji is open to women, um, one Tatsu Takayama became the first woman uh, recorded to summit Fuji, and she did that in 1832. So she was breaking the law uh, 40 years prior. And she became the first woman uh, to climb up Mount Fuji, um, yeah, in 1832. So, listeners, go back and review um, 
some of uh, our Mountains Part 1 episodes. I was detailing all the people to, to summit these mountains and when and all that. Uh, and so, yeah, Tatsu Takayama was, was doing that uh, a lot around the same time or even earlier than some of these other ones. Now, she, was, she wasn't the first person. She's the first woman. But still, I think that is notable and worth mentioning here. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, at least re- regarding some of the spirituality, um, some of the sacredness of Mount Fuji, um, according to the to the Nihon Shoki, this ancient document that again it has been brought up many times in our yokai ep- episodes, Konahana uh, Sakura Hime, the wife of Ninigi, uh, is the goddess of Mount Fuji, and she lives I think there. That's, uh... Cherry Blossom Princess, yeah? Yeah, yeah, because that's... Konoha that's the, Sakura? Yeah, ko, yeah, Konohana Sakura Hime. Um, the, uh, the, yeah, cherry, yeah, cherry, yeah, flowers of the cherry blossom, or, yeah, leaf mm-hmm. of the cherry blossoms, yeah. Yeah, huh, neat, sorry, um, sorry. No, that's okay. No, no, I, I'm I, I love it. I'm getting entomological on your ass now. <laughs> please, 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 please do. Um, so, yeah, she is the goddess there, and, uh, uh, and there's a shrine uh, dedicated to her there on Mount Fuji, uh, Fujisan Hongu Sengen Taisha. Uh, also, okay. Also, I guess kind of interesting note um, about Fujisan. Uh, some people are led to believe, like, oh, like I would say Mark Mark San or Josh Josh San, like that kind of honorific um, that you would yes. give to a person. In this case, it's actually not the same. Um, it's it, it it's a different. So like, it's also called Fujiyama which is like Fuji Mountain. Um, mm-hmm. But there's another dialect that San means mountain. So it's saying Fujiyama just in, in like another dialect or, or another reading. Uh, so it, 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 it's not like Mr. Mountain. It's not Mr. Fuji, but it's like Fujiyama, Fuji Mountain. But it's that still sounds like San. So a little slight, little slight thing there. That um, was always one of my favorite things about Japanese was like Americans will usually call it like Mount Fujiyama. And so mm-hmm. you're essentially just ATMing it. It's the automatic yeah. teller machine yeah. machine. Right. This yeah. is Mountain Fuji Mountain. Yeah. yeah. Or Mount Midoriyama. It's like, yeah, it's it's Green Mountain. You don't have to say the mountain part. It's right. okay, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I just always liked that a little bit. It, it is. It's kind of fun and kind of a wink week nudge. It's like, oh, these, uh, you know, these silly. Uh... Oh, I just these forgot. What... That's right. That's right. Gaijin. Um, yeah, because I can totally imagine like some dude in a Hawaiian shirt, like, "Hey, honey, do you remember the pin number for to this ATM machine so we can get the bus tickets to Fujiyama for to, to Mount Fujiyama?" It's like, "Oh, you we- bastard!" <laughs> hey, hey, Evelyn, are we going to that Hokkaido or are we going to Kyoto? I don't remember which. God damn it, Herb! We're going to Mount Fujiyama. Oh, that's right, Mount Fujiyama. I forgot. I plum forgot. There it is. Okay. How oh, much is yeah. ten million yen? Is that gonna be enough? You re- think? Yeah, that'd yeah, be fine. So yes, he's damn gaijin. Um, uh, <laughs> but I wanted the... to go to Mount Kurama so I could go check out Dare Bears. Bear. Oh, bears. <laughs> Pretty sure Kurama's got bears on it. I don't know. <laughs> Japanese a, listeners, let me know. Yeah, yeah, please, please do, um, and let us know if they shit in the woods there too. So, <laughs> um, no, they shit in a very honorable, yeah, upright, true. rigid Japanese toilet. If uh, South Park leaves, yeah, and yeah, very, e- yeah, very e- e- efficient and hygienic. Um, absolutely, um, very polite also, when they do it. You know, it's it's a whole <laughs> bear plays. shitting ceremony. <laughs> Music, <play>. yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, one final note about uh, Fujiyama um, is uh, in the uh, Heian period, which is roughly 800 to 1650 CE. Um, it, it wasn't specifically like a kind of a Shinto thing, uh, but there was a religion known as uh, Shugendo, which combined mountain climbing and Buddhism. And um, it's, it, 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 excuse me, and it, it, in like, Climbing Fuji was like a regular part of their worship, um, which now I can only just kind of picture. Yeah, just like Christian youth group uh, going on. Yeah, like a mountain climbing thing. It's like, hey, guys, you know who else is always or Yeah, yeah it's like, hey, guys, make sure to secure your carabiners. And you know who else is always there for you? <laughs> You know who else that you could put your faith into in times of trouble? That's right, gang. <laughs> no, I know what you're thinking. I got a buddy, though. He didn't want to listen to his parents. He didn't believe that worldly possession and wealth are all that mattered. And you know what? He shaved his head like a rebel, too. That's right. I'm talking about my buddy, Buddha. But yeah, God, so, cringy youth group pastors for like yeah, not cringy. Christianity is such a cool idea to me. <laughs> I mean, it has been a while since we floated a new IP that we will never actually do, but that that, that would be a good one. That would be a good one. <laughs> um, youth group pastors for like the ancient Greek pantheon. Yeah. <laughs> I got a buddy. Can't really rock. Likes to work with his hands. You know... He went out and he got the hottest chick in school. You can do the same thing, little Homer. Why, wow, you think so? Yeah, because chicks dig confidence and brains. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about another Chad. He doesn't believe in consent. Little guy you might have heard of, his name is Zeus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's I am, okay. I am bad it's okay. tonight. Wow, Hemingway's no, are stronger fine. than I am. We, we were fine. Um, and also, yeah, just very quickly, gonna, gonna like I said, kind of speed walk, and I'm, and I'm punning on that, so speed walk through, at least, again, so many sacred mountains in, in Japan, but here are three kind of noteworthy ones that, th- th- three more no- noteworthy ones that I'll just kind of mention briefly. Uh, Mount Koya has a uh, enormous, a large uh, uh, temple complex, uh, temple sediment, um, and is the headquarters for the... Uh, Joyasan sect of Shingon Buddhism. Uh, and this temple settlement was founded by uh, Kokai, uh, or uh, Kukai, yeah, Kukai in 819 CE. So that guy got like just cherry or cherry blossom, I guess, um, <laughs> a, 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 a adjacency bonuses uh, for, for settling there. Um, well, not, not for settling there, for, for placing his holy site district there. Um, there's also Mount Omine which is known for its three tests of courage. And these are three kind of like climbing challenges that translate to, oh. yeah, again, man, that'd be, that'd be, I, I'd have to like train a year cause I haven't done any rock climbing, whatever, but it has three tests of courage that are climbing challenges. Uh, and those are translated to the hanging stone, the insight from the West and the rock of equality, which is just badass. It is badass. Um, <laughs> uh, and then finally making our way to Mount Hiei or Hiei uh, this is a mountain that is home to the quote unquote marathon monks who part of their practice 
uh, will walk up to 52, walk slash jog up to 52 miles a day for 100 days. What? In o- yes. In order to attain <laughs> enlightenment. Uh, there's a, there's a fascinating book and I, I think it's called the, I think it's called the Marathon Monks of Mount Hiei. Um, and this practice is called, is called Kaihogyo. And yeah, these dudes will like, and I, and I'm trying not to be, uh, sacrilegious, but yeah, it's, it's like, I will eat from like my one bowl of rice and I will drink like just a tiny bit of water. And then I'm going to walk slash jog, uh, 52 miles a day for a hundred days to like (laughs) detach myself from the falsity of this material world. It's like, God damn, if that isn't some dedication, woo. Yeah, that'd do it. Yeah. So, so yeah. So again, just, just a, just a little smattering of like three other, um, holy mountains or sacred mountains in in Japan. Cause again, it's like, well, and also with things like, Local kami, like, like, like everything is sacred. Everything yeah. is like precious and should be cherished and like uh, uh, given devotion to. So there's how, how many sacred mountains are there in Japan is equal is equal to the number of mountains there are in Japan. So hmm. interesting. Yeah, that's. I just love that too. Like it's everything. It's it's all over. Yeah, but it's, man. It's everybody too. You know, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Hey man, no, we are a group of monks that you know are really into speed walking, and you believe that a giant bear made this mountain. Same idea, bud. It's all good. Like, yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. neat, man. Which again, that's the other. God, mountains are great. Mountains, Tadena. But 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 it is. It it's it's like it, it's that commonality. And like like you're saying, like how many of these sort of like weird uh, mythological stories and or re- religious stories seem to kind of match up. With like flooding and you land on a mountain or girls being chased up mountains by bears. Like that's, there's, there's, there's something there, man. There's something there. I don't know what it is. There's something I've been there. Dr- I don't know what it is because I've been drinking ranch water, but there's something there. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, I do have one more, but I think we need a break. I've, I, yeah. I've been marathoning. Uh, sacred mountains for for this uh, uh, episode here, and so I need a little break. I need a little rest. But so so so, w- what what else do you have? What what else do you have in store for us here? Well, it's really funny. You're talking about there's something there, because in this case, there might be something there, Josh. There might be something there. <laughs> um, really quick, I have an update. Though to my wizard's cup. Um, okay. I, I don't know if I, I think. I told you this like months ago. City Market got wine. Uh, this law in Colorado oh, changed. Oh yeah, that's so now right. Grocery stores can changed. carry wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might remember Josh and listeners. You might remember too. I'm a big old fan of uh, Snoop Dogg's 19 Crimes. So I'm drinking a Cali Rosé, which is not like the Chardonnay that I typically like. It's a lot lighter, a lot pinker, and okay. I feel just a little bit. I would say a little bit lighter when I'm drinking it, if you know what I mean, buddy. But <laughs> I am drinking this Cali Rose wine to tell you about some uh, horrors that take place down California way. Good buddy. All right. That sounds, that sounds, sounds great to me, man. (laughs) Now I know that we have gotten just a little bit silly tonight with all this. The truth is out there and keep watching this guy's bullshit on my end. (laughs) 
Um, but Josh, you you go out into the woods. You hear those mountains a calling when you go out there. And I think mm-hmm. we have talked quite a bit through the run of this show about like there's a certain feeling you get when you get out from you know civilization into the into the woods, mm-hmm. and you realize you just don't quite belong there. Yeah. Like, and maybe you kind of feel like you're being watched and all of a sudden, like, oh man, is that a Bigfoot or is that just a rock up around the corner? Or like, mm-hmm. oh shit, right up there is that tree. There's the hide behind. We all remember the hide behind that fearsome right, yeah. critter that, yeah, yeah. that hides behind yokai, trees to murder humans. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm going to cut to the chase here because, frankly, we don't have a ton of evidence for this one, but it freaks me out, and goddammit, I want to talk about the Dark Watchers of California. Oh, boy. Oh, I hate that name already. I hate that name already. (laughs) (laughs) There is horror here, Josh, but not in the way that you might believe. Okay. In the Santa Lucia mountain range, which runs along coastal California in the Big Sur regions, this is like Southern California. Mm -hmm. Right, Um. So this range of mountains never strays more than 11 miles from the coast, which makes it the, both the steepest continual coastal region in America and the longest continual coastal region. Mm. That's just kind of neat. I'm about to get yeah. really horny for mountains here. I'm really sorry. No, um, never, never, I'll, I would apologize for that. Let's open up a window because it's about to get orotic in here. <laughs> uh. <laughs> The highest points of these mountains are only about 5,000 feet tall, but they did serve as a really solid natural barrier for blocking Spanish uh, exploration into the region. Okay. The highest point is San Junipero Peak, which sits at about 5,853 feet high. Um, and this range also runs parallel to the Diablo Range. So you're essentially getting, like, just mountain range on top of mountain range. It's California mountains. You know what they look like. They're just all stacked on top of each other because California is insane. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Um, as a final nerdy point, Josh, you talked about a mountains part one about a block formation. Mm-hmm. I did. That's where a mountain is created and it get, by getting separated from its like parent rock and just dragged away for, um, via tectonic action. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what this range, the Santa Lucia range is made up of. Um, it was pulled apart by the San Andreas fault and was originally made from the Sierra Nevada formation. Hmm. Okay. Which I just think is super cool. It, the San Andreas Fault took this gigantic cluster of mountains, like ah fuck that, you're coming with me, yeah. and just drug it away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these mountains are super cool. I already hit the Homer Simpson nerd button sound effect for myself on it. Back oh, nice. at the plot, the Dark Watchers or Los Vigilante Oscuros, mm-hmm. if you're taking it from the native, well, the you know the Spanish settlers. Mm-hmm. Um. Unlike 99% of the things that you and I talk about on this show, the Dark Watchers do not have roots in local indigenous mythology. Mm. In fact, the Shumash people that occupy this region um, and have been there for about 11,000 years, they don't mention these guys once. There's lots of people. I, I found a lot like online. It's like, this dates back to the Indians. It's like, no. No, it doesn't. Like, no, I mean, none of the tr- the Shumash people do not talk about these things occurring. Yeah, that also definitely sounds, yeah, like that um, phenomenon of, like, colonizer rolls in, he's like, oh, what's that over there? And then the indigenous people are like, what? What, what are you talking about? That's not, that, that's not a thing. <laughs> 
yeah, this is not like um Oga or Lake Okanagan with like Monster Island and the natives right. are like, hey, don't go yeah, over don't there. Go over they there. live yeah. under there. Don't right. go there. Okay, thanks, guy. Yeah, no problem. We just don't do it. Like, just don't do it. Um, <laughs> um, we sh- I also really want I also want to point out here that it's super cool that the Shumash are the only people in this region because there is other tribes, but the Shumash were the largest. Mm. Um, they don't have any stories about a Bigfoot or a wild man living in the woods in their um, mythology. Ah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, Hmm. and it's really cool because they're flanked on either side by tribes that both have, like, stories of Bigfoot. And also figure, like, just north of here is the uh, Redwoods. Like, Bluff Creek is just north of this region. That's where the Patterson-Gimlin footage was shot. So, like, Hmm. we are very close in Bigfoot country, but he doesn't live here. But you know what does live here, Josh? What's that? Fucking giants with red hair and two rows of teeth. But that's a story for another time. Okay. But the Shumash talk about the giants with the red hair and the two rows of teeth. Mm. They sure as shit talk about the giants. <laughs> <laughs> and I will too at some point, but just not yet. <laughs> that's a secret for later, kids. That's um, that's going to be go- all of season seven. Yeah. It's just whoops all giants because damn it, it's time. <laughs> at this point. At, I, I really wanted to write like the season six finale to be giants. I'm like... Maybe that's how we're going to do our season seven opener. Like, yeah, that could be, I can dig it. Anyway, anyway, um, these dark watchers were not noted in the region until 1770 when the Spanish empire had finally moved up into the California uh, territory and began settling this rugged, untamed scenery that is scary frontier and totally not already, you know, occupied by a group of people that have lived there for 11,000 years. But hey, right. Jesus says he needs your mountains. And God damn it, he's going to save your soul whether you like it or not. This is, you know, how we get our religious victories. Yeah, this is. This is. <laughs> As this expansion occurred, though, settlers started coming back with stories of 10-foot-tall men wearing wide-brim black hats, broad cloaks, and carrying walking sticks that they would just look up from doing whatever, you know, a Spanish settler would do in 1770, they would look up and notice these things standing on top of the mountain ridges, just watching them. Oh man. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> like I said, I would, and I wasn't lying. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, these watchers were so common that they just kind of became really like a part of the local scenery. People just kind of ignore them the way that you and I would ignore squirrels as we, like, walk through the park on a wizardly ramble after stealing a Greek manuscript and read it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Then in the 1930s, there were two writers that realized, hey, those 10-foot-tall dudes that watch us all the time are kind of fucked up, right? (laughs) The task was then taken up by American poet Robert Jeffers, or he wrote a book in 1937 called Such Counsels You Gave Me and Other Poems. Um, he writes about the Dark Watchers, and he writes um, in one story, or in one poem about them, he thought they might be one of the Watchers, who are often seen the length of the coast range, forms that look like human to the eyes, but certainly are not human. They come from behind the ridges to watch. He was not surprised when the figure turning toward him in a quiet twilight shadow showed his own face, and then melted and merged into the shadows beyond it. Oh boy. I, oh boy. Yep. 
I still, it's it's a beautiful poem, but I still hate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I told you there was real horror in here tonight, Josh, and it falls with your and my's favorite writer, John Steinbeck. Because mm. guess who grew up in this region? That's right, that fucking hack. That's true. <laughs> You might remember him from such, you know, high school traumas as of Mice and Men, or when he plagiarized that one story about the Great Depression. That's right, the Grapes of Fucking Wrath. (laughs) There was one story, though, he didn't plagiarize about the Dark Watchers. It was a short story called Flight, and Josh, if you would be so good as to pull up your Mm, little quote sheet um, and read that second quote there, starting with Pepe. All right. Thank you. Pepe looks suspiciously back every minute or so and his eyes sought the tops of the ridges ahead. Once, on a white barren spur, he saw a black figure for a moment, but he looked quickly away, for it was one of the dark watchers. No one knew who the watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never to show interest in them. They did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business. I hate this. I hate it. Um, while I am one to usually hate on John, John Steinbeck, I really do like this little bit about his past. Um, this was a genuine thing. He grew up in this area. His, uh, father and grandfather would both warn him, number one, about never ever speaking to a watcher if he did come across one, but also to just stay on the trail. And that's number one, good advice. Don't talk to strangers, stay on the damn trail. But his mother would always say, like, you don't need to be afraid of them. You just need to respect them. Mm-hmm. And his mother was known for leaving um, food along trailheads as well as, like, little gifts, like um, beads or something. Just something, mm. just a dumb little something-something. It's still, like, it was, like, a tribute to these watchers just saying, hey, here you go. Right, yeah. Yeah, like, just, like, get little offerings, little stuff like that. I mean, not only is that big in, like, Shinto, but, um, yeah, like, the kind of Norse... Um, uh, well, and yeah, for like the the Hilda folk and all that, it's like just like leave a little something out. Don't bother them; they won't bother you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, his son Thomas was also super influenced by this, and he wrote what is pretty much the only scholarly work on the Dark Watchers, uh, 2014's *In Search of the Dark Watchers*, which I really need to read. I just Ooh. didn't have time because I got into this kind of late this week into research and. But it's definitely on my list. And he went through and compiled a lot of the stories. Um, The most likely explanation for this phenomena is something called a Brock Inspector. And it's when a shadow is projected from an opposite peak. So, like, the sun is rising or setting. We see Ah, the Dark Watchers in twilight. Um, The sun comes up behind you, backlights you, and projects you somewhere else. Okay. All right. However, Josh... Yeah, yeah. Sightings are still occurring to this day, and it sure shooting ain't no Brock Inspector. <laughs> you can go to weirdca.com, which has a ton of um, accounts and testimonies from people who have witnessed the Dark Watchers. Like this one that was posted from from Anonymous out of Ojai um, on June 4th, 2018. I was hiking up a remote trail on the 33 in Ojai. I was about an hour up the mountain, no people, no cars in sight. As I was hiking, I had this eerie feeling I was being watched. I looked up to the top of the mountain. I saw a black figure. I waved jokingly, not thinking that the object was really a person. It waved back. 
thinking I might be tripping or that it was a tree waving in the wind. I took a puff off my cigarette. I don't think it was a cigarette. Only to see the figure blow out a plume of smoke as well. What? What? (laughs) I started seeing it following. Or Sorry, yeah. Sorry, this is like really bad writing on an internet forum. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, sorry. Um, I started seeing it following, and I or, or so sorry. I started seeing it flowing, and I say flowing, almost floating vertically. I ran like hell back to my car, spraining my knee in the car in the process. From C. Gardner of June Lake, California, 2011. Up here in the eastern Sierras, we see the dark watchers all the time. They are always out at dusk and dawn, and all you see is just tall, dark silhouettes. They almost look like horses standing up on their hind legs with the assistance of a walking stick. It's pretty creepy, and no one has ever seen them up close. They disappear the moment that you get closer. Now, Josh, I know what you're thinking. You need to go experience existential horror and dread in the form of a giant silhouette watching you from a mountaintop a mile away. (laughs) Right? I suppose so, yeah. Couple caveats, buddy. Number one, you gotta go take this trek on your own. They don't appear to people in groups. Mm. I mean, makes sense. Number two, yeah. Number two, you cannot have any electronic equipment on you at all. Cell phones, watches, GPSs, something about these. Let the dark watchers just know you got them and will not appear. Like, literally, they won't appear, but people who have hiked out and made a point to not bring these items with them, they see them. Mm. Uh, third note when and if you do see them but even if you don't it is best to bring a little something something as a form of tribute like a gift like John Steinbeck's mom was doing Mm -hmm. Uh, leave them some food leave them your power bar but like unwrap the power bar and just set it on the rock you know like don't you know pack in what you pack out kind of thing but you you gotta leave the watchers food Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, maybe just maybe you will be the seer and not the CE of the Dark Watchers of California. Oh, baby. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's just it. I, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't know why that one got me so good, but that one, that one got me good. Hate it. <laughs> I just hate how it doesn't do anything. Literally, it doesn't do anything. It just watches you. But like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I I mean, and, and again, if ever I were to encounter one myself, that that's probably truly yeah. The best course of action is just you know, don't mess with it. Don't paint any mind. If I have an extra granola bar or something, I'll, I'll leave it out for him. But, uh, ooh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> treat it like I treated Randy the Road Horse in St. Croix. Just speak <laughs> real low and quiet to it and don't make any sudden moves. Exactly. See, I would have I, I been okay with Randy the Road Horse. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Or, like you are saying before, maybe I just need to say, like, no, just they're just like squirrels, man. Just like squirrels, they're fine. They're doing fine. They're gonna check you. You're gonna, you know, kind of keep an eye on you, and then they're, then they're gonna go back to doing whatever they're doing. So, oh boy. <laughs> um, well, all right, Mark. So I, um, you brought up Australia, and I know we had a lot of fun talking about mountains in Australia. And the, again, I know going back, we can quibble. What is a mountain? What's the definition? 
Um, I'm also kind of realizing too, kind of looking over these, and I know we keep going back to Civ. Um, so a lot of the mountains that I spoke of today um, are are natural wonders, not in Civilization Six, but in Civilization Five. Um, oh, so yeah, like I know, like isn't Fuji in both, or maybe just Fuji's? I, I don't know, but like Fuji is in five. Uh, Mount uh, Kailash is, I think, I think that's in five and six. Uh, Mount 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 Sinai is in Civ five, um, uh, and also this next one is Uluru, aka Ayers Rock, in Australia. Um, oh yeah. So Uluru uh, clocks in at uh, eight hundred sixty three meters elevation. That's two thousand eight hundred thirty one feet. Uh, its prominence is 348 meters. That's 1,142 feet. So, yeah, not not quite nearly on the same scale as many of the others that I've talked about there. Um, but it is very prominent. It's a giant sandstone, and I'm, I'm sure you can <laughs> talk talk more at, at length about it. But it's but but it's but it's a giant red sandstone uh, uh, uplift. That is this, uh, like it changes colors throughout the day based on the sunlight, but it, but it's this bright red because of the oxidized um, minerals there, and 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 yes, and this this is, is it a mountain? Can we call it a mountain? That's neither here nor there, but it is sacred to the, and I'm going to try my hardest here too, to the Pitjan Tijajara. Which is a group of the Anangu Aboriginal people of Australia. So, the Anangu An, uh, Anangu is sort of a kind of like larger group, more in like kind of like Western and Northern in the desert. Uh, and then this, so 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 Uluru is, is sacred to them, but also specifically yeah to this one, the Pitjan Tijara Tijajara. Really trying, guys. Um, but um, <laughs> you are doing an admirable job. <laughs> I'm like. doing an admirable job, and that's all I can ask for. Um, and and I know I know that you are not mispronouncing a Polish word this time. So yes, this you're is doing also an even better job. <laughs> <laughs> right, right on, righto. Um, so there is evidence of human settlement in the area uh, for over ten thousand years. Um, Jesus. Yes. So in this very dry, very hot, uh, otherwise inhospitable part of the outback, um, around Uluru, uh, you find springs, you'll find water holes, you'll find rock caves, again with the caves, and, and, and also you'll find some of these uh, um, ancient paintings um, around the area there. Oh, yeah. The, all the pictographs. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, so, Yes was inhabited in this region for, for more than 10,000 years. Um, as far as uh, when uh, European, when this became known to Europeans, well, this goes back to 1873. Uh, it was spotted earlier. So there's also two kind of peaks. There's, there's or two formations, two, two mountains. There's Uluru and there's Katajuta, uh, which are kind of like the twin, kind of the twin peaks, if you will. Uh, those were first spotted in 1872, uh, uh, but then the, in the following year, 1873, surveyor William Gossie uh, named 
this formation for the then Chief Secretary of South Australia, Sir Henry Ayers. And it was called Ayers Rock for the longest time um, until a official dual naming policy began in 1993. They called it Ayers Rock Uluru. And then in 2002, uh, properly, I would say, um, they switched and Uluru got top billing. So now it is... Oh, good. good. Uluru Ayers Rock. Um, which, yeah, I think I think is proper. Uh, of course, this yeah. has... I wouldn't be talking about I wouldn't be talking about it uh, otherwise, but this of course has great spiritual significance. This kind of features in a lot of the creation myths uh, of the Anangu uh, or Anangu, perhaps, uh, and they do not climb Uluru. It's a, it's a it's a sacred it's a sacred part for them, and they don't climb it. And they also kind of realize well, other people aren't us. They don't have our same culture. They don't have our same religion. So we're not out and out prohibiting other people climb Uluru, but we are requesting that people don't either because one of the the paths up there kind of crosses a traditional and sacred dream time uh, path. I guess sort of the equivalent of like a ley line. Dreamtime, I, I was trying to figure out more about Dreamtime uh, for the Aboriginal uh, people of Australia. And I was, we, again, we, we, we may have to come back to that in another episode. Because I was, I was, yeah. getting, I was getting my mind blown there with like the dreaming and, and, and uh, Dreamtime. So they're saying like, hey, this is sacred to us. We don't climb it. We ask that you don't. Um, and, and, and the language from the like kind of guidebook or some of the signage was, uh, quote, the climb is not prohibited, but we prefer that as a guest on uh, on Nangu land, you will choose to respect our law and culture by not climbing it. Which I think, man, that's super generous of them. I think they would be well within the right to be like, "Hey, piss off! This is this is this is sacred to us. You are not allowed here." They could have pulled a Mount Athos or a Mount Fuji up until seventeen. Uh, what did I say? Around the same time, right? <laughs> Forty years. Or, or, before yeah, you're, yeah, eighteen. Yeah, 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 yeah eighteen something, eighteen seventy-two. They could have been well within their rights and say no, but they're saying like, look, this is our, this is our, our culture, this is our religion. It's not prohibited, but we're asking you not to. And God damn it, wouldn't you know it, Mark? We just, we just couldn't, we, we just couldn't, we couldn't meet these people, and the, and like they're totally reasonable and. Uh, understandable re- request. We couldn't do it, and by we, I collectively mean, of course, white people. <laughs> we couldn't do it. You, you mean we, the good God-fearing folk of Rock Ridge? <laughs> Rock we Ridge. couldn't be reasonable with the yeah, natives, Josh. What? They even, um, it. I was reading. I forget the exact date because I, at the time, I didn't think it was worth it. Like in the seventies, they even installed like kind of a chain, um, yeah, kind of like yeah, like a chain rope kind of like handrail to help people. Wow. They even installed one of those and we still wow. fucking blew it. Um, <laughs> so of course, you know, there were, there were all sorts of mini uh, scandals up there. There were uh, apparently people hitting golf balls off the top of Uluru. Oh, for Christ's sake. Um, one, I found this in 2010. Uh, 
a French woman, Alizé Serri, uh, again, blame the French too, um, she apparently, her, her words, she was so overwhelmed by this experience that she stripped down to her bikini uh, in, quote, a tribute to the greatness of the rock. So she here she is like, yeah, like stripping down, not completely naked, but like stripping down because um, she was so overwhelmed. She was like, I just want to, I just want to sing and dance because I'm on this rock. And just, so yeah, so it was. Um, uh, I mean, that would make sense. Tits out for mountains. Yeah, like, you know. I mean, I, I guess, but also, <laughs> so we had this thing until 2017 uh, when the Uluru Katatiuta uh, National Park Board voted unanimously to ban climbing the rock. <laughs> Good. Good. Because y'all fucked around and y'all found yeah, out, exactly. didn't you? Yeah, fucked around and found, fucked around, found out. Uh, we had a good thing, but we just absolutely ruined it. Uh, and that effect, and that ban went into effect October of 2019. And so as of 2019, you are not not allowed to climb the rock. Which, again, man, like, yeah, makes sense. Here are some people who are absolutely reasonable. Even, again, like, went, like, did the extra steps of, like, okay, well, if you are going to climb, here's at least... Yeah, like a kind of a chain handrail kind of guide guide rope thing that we'll mm-hmm. put up there. To so yeah, that's gone. The pose the the sign saying please don't climb it is gone. It because blew it because we blew it. So uh, yet another mm-hmm. sacred rock that. So I again I'm not endorsing misogyny at all, but you know who's not gonna climb up and. Uh, uh, d- defile Mount Athos. Anybody who My goes mom. to yeah, anybody who tries to go to Mount Athos because they limit it to a hundred and ten people eat like a day. <laughs> they're very strict. They're very strict about it. I'm not condoning it, but I get where they're coming from. I feel like I'm channeling some Bill Burr here now. I don't know why, but well, yeah. So so again, sort of like continuing our our trend eastward. Uh, talking, about, I, I don't even know if. Uluru is actually more east uh, by longitude, but but that's where we are. That's where we are with Sacred Mountains. Right on. Oh, buddy. All right. Well, and it sounds huh. like maybe you also had like one one kind of last, <clears throat> one kind of short short thing. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I again, you and I didn't really play on this. I just said, hey, I'm doing these like three things, and you're like. Go west, young man, and I totally like ignored one of my assignments and focused on fucking the following. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I I, I put up a list. I was like, hey, here's our, here here's some I'm thinking of. Go nuts. So yeah, we're we're fine. We're fine. Well, yeah, I got one more um, mountain based cryptid, Josh. Okay. And um, you know, listening to you tonight and last week, it's really become abundantly clear to me that you are a Colorado boy. And oh. goddamn it, you can take the mountain boy out of the town, but you can't take the mountain town out of the boy. You know, <laughs> yeah, even true. with you living out there on the flatlands of the Great Bread Basket or whatever the hell you guys call it, yeah, yourself, whatever I don't call know. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also know that, like, I don't know about you. This time of the year kind of gets to me because, like, yes, I love spring, mm-hmm. but you know, spring 
you know, brings all kinds of things with it, like, you know, pollen and mosquitoes, and worst of all, the tourists. Yeah. Goddamn Texans. And goddamn it, man. Yep, and you got that cabin fever, and you want to go out there and answer the call of the wild, and you want to climb every mountain, ford every fucking Pueblo Reservoir, and you want to go out there, get some Tegrity Bud, and drink every single mountain-based <laughs> microbrew, but goddammit, Josh, you just can't because the Texans have been here for about two weeks already. <laughs> oh, goddamn, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> you know why you can't get a blowjob in Texas, Josh? Because all the cocksuckers are up here. <laughs> I, I, That's I think a I've Rob heard, Benson classic. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard that before, and it never. That is that is that is that is a uh, golden and evergreen joke that, that that will never get old. <laughs> evergreen, like the beautiful pine trees that populate yep. our state. Josh, God damn it, I love Colorado, but yeah. I don't love the tourists. No, and no. you know, man, buddy, we got a cure for it. I think I found. Okay the answer to literally all of our problems josh mm. all right i'm i'm here i'm here wouldn't you know it this form to all of our problems comes in the form of a fearsome critter <gasps> fearsome critter let's go and this one is 100 unique to colorado all right ah oh, man i love it i love it <laughs> the beast that i'm referring to is something called the slide rock bolter it right. first occurred in local folklore around the mid-1800s when the gold rush brought a whole new influx of fresh folks to the, you know, Centennial State. Mm. Um, what the Slide Rock Bolter is, is sort of like a giant whale that lives on the land. It lives oh, up in the shoot. highest peaks of the Colorado mountains, and these peaks need to have an angle or slope angle of exactly 45 degrees. Otherwise, the Slide Rock Bolter will say no, no. Mm. This creature can get as big as a blue whale. That's 100 feet long. It has a great gaping mouth, wee beady eyes, and a strong tail that it uses to hook onto the edges of the other side of the mountain. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. When it spots its prey, be it a herd of deer, a pack of miners, a clutch of tourists, or even just one single, you know, ill-fated mountaineer that should have stopped and gotten gas in Salida but decided not to, well, the slide rock bolter then detaches itself from the top of the peak and slides down the mountain with its maw agape as it oozes, quote-unquote, skid grease. Because remember, this is a fearsome critter, and they all got some dumb bullshit Pokemon physics. It oozes skid grease, skid grease, which helps it rocket down the mountain, eating everything in its path. Then it scoops up whatever it had intended for prey, eats it all up, holds it in its mouth till it gets to the other side of the mountain, riding on that momentum in skid grease, half pipes up to the other side, and grabs it with its tail and waits. Oh, I love this. Okay, as much as I hated the Dark Watchers, I love this thing more than life itself. <laughs> The slide rock bolter, having, you know, killed its intended prey, leaves behind a path of devastation that looks oddly a lot like a landslide, Josh. Like a landslide. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and we have an account of one of these sons of bitches, mm, Josh. Yes. I, see, I see that we do. I see that we do. So that here is an account of uh, the uh, slide rock bolter. Yeah, well, take it away, buddy. A forest ranger whose district includes the rough uh, uh, country between Ophir Peaks and the Lizardhead, uh, uh, conceived the bold idea of decoying a slide rock bolter to its own destruction. 
a dummy tourist was rigged up with plaid Norfolk jacket, knee breeches, and a guidebook to Colorado. (laughs) It was then filled full of giant powder and fulminate caps and posted in a conspicuous place where sure enough, the next day, it attracted the attention of a bolter, which had been hanging for days on the slope of Lizardhead. The resulting explosion flattened half the buildings in Rico, which were never rebuilt, and the surrounding hills flattened flocks of buzzards the rest of the summer. Or fattened, excuse me, fattened flocks of buzzards the rest of the summer. Oh my god, that's amazing. That is so That comes good. to us from William F. Tyron's Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods. I got that quote uh, from our good friends at lumberwoods.net. Oh my god, that's so good. Friends of the show, yes. I love that so um, much. <laughs> I love it. It's so dumb. Um, so, you may or may not know that where he's talking about Ophir Peak and Lizardhead. Mm. Spelled like an asshole, apparently. Sorry, yeah. when I didn't no. see that when I cut it. Yeah. Um, so those are mountains not too far away from uh, Telluride, Colorado. Okay, yeah, they, they kind of sounded familiar, but I couldn't quite like Ophir Peak. I've definitely heard it before, but I couldn't couldn't quite remember because again, I've been a Colorado boy out of Colorado for too too long, and I'm starting to lose. Starting to lose. Well, okay, and also, Mark, it, it's it's fitting that you brought me back to Colorado because again, there was one. Another kind of bonus one that I that I did want to kind of mention here, that is very very special to me. It's also very special to you, and it's very special to our listeners because I've I've mentioned this place several times, and that is our own, and I'm including myself still. That is our own Blanca Peak there in the eastern part of the San Luis Valley, because that is itself another sacred mountain. Um, Blanca Peak, also known as uh, Cis Nanjini, uh, is uh, one of the four kind of sacred mountains of the Dene, the Navajo, um, mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it marks it marks the, the the sort of eastern boundary of what you would consider the traditional Navajo homelands, the Deneta. Um, and I mean, I I am not that is not my heritage, that's not my culture, but yet I I, I can't help but think like having grown up there in that area and like seeing the majesty because it is it's truly a majestic mountain range i i know last time i talked about the sangre de cristos and the san juans um but having blanca peak um as a little kid playing like ayso soccer um at uh carroll park which you, you get a brilliant view of mount blanca there I mean, also just because it's the valley and everything's flat. Like anywhere you go, you're going to get a good view of Mount of Mount Blanca. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, right, and then when I was teaching at the high school on the second story uh, of, of the high school there, and I had eastern facing windows, and I could look out and I could see Blanca Peak. So it like, even though that wasn't like a mountain sacred to me, uh, specifically in my up- up- upbringing, it had. Uh, an undeniable an undeniable effect on me growing up uh and yeah i just i just wanted to give that one a shout out too because goddamn sacred mountains they're amazing oh yeah sacred mountains spooky mountains cryptidy mountains alien sci-fi mountains i <laughs> i love them all i love them all man <laughs> they're great i love mountains we're gonna do i think mountains might be our new yokai honestly like oh, man i i think it might be. i had I had to rein myself in. I know you had to I rein had, yourself yeah. in. Like, oh, yeah, boy. no, it, 
yeah. mountains, and, man. Well, yeah, just which, so great. Which, which I think, I, I think that's, if, if anything, I, th- I think that's where we need to end because we either end it now or we're going to go on for like five more hours just saying like mountains, man. <laughs> um, and so I, I think this was a great cap to uh yeah like the the second parter you did an amazing job uh bringing some of your mountain some of your mountainy goodness um i think we yeah have all but guaranteed that we're going to be talking about volcanoes because one of the sacred mountains that i was i was kind of on the kind of on the edge um but then looking at time uh i wanted to talk about mount etna and that's that's Mm. yet that's yet another active volcano and yet another instance of like the greek god's throwing boulders down on things um but we will come back to mount etna we can talk more about fuji we can talk more about the smoky the uh, it it smokes um <laughs> hopo tepe yeah yeah we'll, we'll and 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 many others many others so listeners thank you for joining us on, on this journey we're here we're at the summit i'm out of breath i'm hypoxic <laughs> I need to sit down and eat a tub of butter. Um, but thank you for joining me on this climb, Mark. Thank you for joining me and and being being our yeah our expedition up up mountains. Um, yeah, man, this is this has been great. This has been wonderful. Hell yeah, buddy! Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. So so listeners, what are some of your what 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 are some of your stories? Uh, have have you had the good fortune to been uh, to to uh, go to any of these sacred mountains, um, uh, do did you have others nearby? Because I just you know I, I was ending talking about growing up my whole life near the sacred mountain, not even really fully appreciating it. Well, no, definitely appreciating it, but not realizing it. Do you have sacred mountains near you? Have you had some mystical journeys? Have you left out a granola bar for the dark watchers? Um, <laughs> have you fallen into a cave and had weird cave gas give you some sort of religious experience tell us we did want you to break the third holy tablet with god did you with god's that? commandments on it was that you motherfucker no i'm kidding i'm kidding uh but <laughs> but tell us tell us we love hearing from you we love sharing stories we love sharing photos if those are things that that you're willing to share um so yes please get in touch with us uh send an email to two wizards podcast at gmail.com uh, I mentioned our, our Twitter. Also, yeah, uh, uh, follow us on Twitter so you can see what this like amazing uh, mystery birthday gift is that I got. But but find us there. Um, <laughs> Two Wizards Pod C One. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Plaid Barbarian. Uh, Mark, and I know you have you had, you had already kind of introduced things, but uh, but but High Hammock Studios has grown, and there's a whole lot going on. So so what 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 else do we have going on? Um, yeah, number one, you can find me personally at Marky Stardust on Twitter. And then if you didn't get enough of me tonight getting horned up for all things orogenic and UFOlogic, UFOlogic, whatever, yeah. doesn't matter, had sex, all things about <laughs> aliens and cryptids and the Dark Watchers, well, you can be a Dark Watcher with me in another right, and you can come on over to our new podcast, the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, where me and my buddy Brad look at movies that, like, are super, super important to one or the other of us, but the other one of us hasn't seen, but we also look at those movies with a critical lens and then determine the super important question of, when is it appropriate to show this classic? <laughs> to my children <laughs> always which uh, 
Yeah, okay. like well, well, no, like that. That is a question of yeah, the the utmost of important these days. Like, because yeah, there have been times you know when we were still in COVID world, and it's like, oh yeah, this this classic I haven't seen since I was a little kid. Let's 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 go down that uh, trip of memory lane, and then realizing, oh, this is rough. This is rough. I can't believe. I can't believe. I was six years old when I watched this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but no, that's a great. Uh, yeah, um, that's great. Yeah. This week we watched uh, Tremors. Mm. So come check that one out. Um, or you can find me on our other other podcast, the Dangle Podcast, a weekly King of the Hill retrospective rewatch, where me and my buddy Johnny take two episodes and talk to talk about it. Uh, we just started season nine, and this week, and I'm looking it up right now, and oh, fuck me, this is live reaction. We have Mrs. Wakefield, the one where the old lady wants to die in the Hills House at Christmas time. That's right. And Death Buys a Timeshare, which is actually a pretty okay one. But god damn it, I don't want to watch Miss Wakefield and Josh, now I'm depressed. Man, I gotta go to work tomorrow. Anyway. <laughs> Um, guys, go find me there. Go find us there. High hammock is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting yes. bigger and better. Josh, I am glad you're back from your wizardly rambles in Utah. I Thank missed you, the hell out of you, buddy. Miss the hell and, out of you um, too. Yeah, let's get uh, out of here, man. Indeed, and I, I can't think of a, be- of a better way to end than that. So, so thank you once again for joining us, everybody. Uh, my name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard. Thank you for listening. We love you all, everyone. Take care. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed them all!